This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 85. We're up to 85. I'm Nick Howell. And only here because I pinned Carmella for the opportunity, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And here we are again, once again, on the Busted Wide Open Podcast, and I am ready to misutilize as much smart mark terminology and uninformed opinions as my couch commentator brain will let me. It's going to be a blast today because we have a ton to talk about. Yes. Uh, it is kind of the dog days of summer right now. It's a little bit... Uh, you can say know. dog days of summer slam? Uh, so, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, we, yeah. We, next week is the, the go-home shows for uh, for all of WWE before SummerSlam, right. NXT included. Uh, this week, it was a little bit of setting up some matches, but nothing too grandiose this week. But still a lot to talk about. We yeah. do have the, the finals of the G1 coming to you tomorrow and the day uh-huh. after. And that's a mu- uh-huh. bunch of matters. We're going to get to that over in our New Japan section. There's a bunch of, of news and notes we have to get to talk about. We have listener questions. Uh, to which point, I should say, if you'd like to get involved in discussion, head over to our Facebook discussion group we do have a busted wide open facebook discussion group it's a lot of fun uh it's actually a, there's a lot of engagement over there. there's a lot of people hanging out and talking about stuff and uh it's a it's a lot of fun to see a bunch of people's opinions and the, you know the funny memes they post and some and, of the things you don't even think about uh, come up sometimes oh yeah, yeah. And, and, and i love it because some of our, our our listeners have some great ideas and and uh, and thoughts on the product so um you know head over there join up Join the conversation and uh, also join our Patreon yes. because that is how uh, you can ask us questions on the show uh, by heading over to patreon.com. Yes, slash, slash BWO. BWO. Right. That's correct. Uh, that's where we kind of centralize everything these days outside of the Facebook group. If you want to interact and engage directly with the show, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for that $5 tier. Uh, you can throw in your questions, get access to uh, the show notes. Uh, if you want to do the $10 tier, we're going to do, be doing our first bonus episode this month. Yeah. Uh, featuring you know a big discussion we've been talking about for a year. Roman Reigns. Yeah, and before you run screaming out the door by hearing that, it's one of those things where we've had people, uh, you know, come at us on the show where it's it's like everyone has to have their opinion on it. It is right. the elephant in the room, and that's and that's not you know 
that's, that's not overstating it. It is the elephant in the room because it, he is the biggest story in WWE and therefore one of the biggest stories in wrestling. And that's kind of inarguable. So yep. uh, a lot of people, you know, when we, you know, express our opinions about Roman Reigns on this show, uh, sometimes people will ask us why we um, are down on Roman for uncertain things and not on others. And we just want to clarify, like make our mission statement. This is where we're at on Roman. This is what we think about the entire Roman yeah. Reigns experiment and the the reign of Roman Reigns over the last few years. Um, and that's something that we really want to kind of set in stone and establish. There are no questions about what we think about it. And and it is a bunch of gray area because it's it's not totally. something that I believe is just a cut and dry thing. You know, you can't just say that Roman Reigns stinks. I don't feel he the doesn't. Same, I don't feel the same way I did a year ago. Right. Yeah. It ha- and that's the thing. It will morph. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that my opinions are, are mostly the same, uh, but the, the same and they have been, even though his character has morphed over the last few years um, because it's mostly, again, not about him himself but about everything surrounding him well let's not do the episode now exactly right that's a little taste <laughs> well, we, yes there's that's a little a, teaser a, for it's you. a teaser so that's what we got lots to talk about with, so that's with what him. you're going to get in the ten dollar tier uh we're going to get do one of those a month yeah right? and so, one of those at least a month and we have a bunch of good ones to a bunch of good ideas of yes. like future ones to get to absolutely uh hey and last but certainly not least head over to twitter and give us a follow at bwo podcast uh we kind of centralize everything on facebook but we still keep an eye on twitter as well Ian, we've got a lot of wrestling going on right now. We're in a, as much of a dog days of summer as it is. There's a whole shit ton of stuff it's, going on. It's relatively around, speaking around the world of sports entertainment. Yeah, I mean, and, and even in WWE, I say that, but it was it's relative. There was still a lot that happened. Yeah, it's just it wasn't as much exciting stuff. We don't even have a big news segment this week because it was a little bit slow. But we do have a ton of news at the closer to the end of the show. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, let's get right into it, guys, and let's kick things off talking about what went down. On Monday Night Raw. Well, once again, we need to kick off Monday Night Raw talking about Roman Reigns. <laughs> Ro- Roman Ro- Reigns. Roman Reigns. Oh, he's he's our man. If he can't do it, someone can. By but, golly. But it, there was a lot of Roman on this show. There was a ton of Roman segments. There's a ton of segments involving Roman or even by extension involving Roman Monday uh, night Roman. It, <laughs> that, that was a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, he was either involved in uh, several angles on the show. There was packages about him, uh, interviews, all kinds of Romany stuff this week uh, for, for better or for worse. There was some good stuff and some stuff that was typically, you know, WWE trying to rewrite history and, and give us, what their perspective is uh, going into SummerSlam sure. on what Roman's legacy has been and what his path to this point has been. Uh, it, it all started off with Kurt Angle and Baron Corbin coming out to the ring and talking about how Raw went off the air last week, which of course was Brock Lesnar coming out, beating down Kurt, scaring off Corbin, and putting hands on his manager, uh, Paul Heyman, which was a particularly uh, uh, surprising occurrence. It was kind uh, of inevitable, though, at some point. Uh, not according to Paul, well, apparently. Okay. Uh, yeah. we'll, but we'll get to Paul, because yeah. Paul had an absolutely incredible segment this week. We'll get to Paul. Let's first like work through all of the Roman stuff this week, because okay. first of all, we had a match made between Roman and Corbin, of course. Roman came out to confront uh, Corbin for not standing up for Kurt last week right. because, you know, Roman's the hero in this. And what happened? Uh, you back down. Yeah. You're, coward. you're a coward. And so mm. Kurt made a match between the two of them because Kurt was unhappy at Corbin. 
And Corbin was pulling rank and saying, I'm the authority. I'm Stephanie McMahon's boy. Right. You just make the matches. And Kurt said, you're right. I do make the matches. As a matter of fact, matter I of fact, do. Why don't you have a match with Roman Reigns? So Corbin is facing off against Finn Balor at SummerSlam. That match has been confirmed. Uh, at the end of the match between him and Roman, uh, he tried to run away. And Finn chased him back down to the ring to take the spear one, two, three yep. from Roman. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed in this Finn Corbin angle. I felt like they could have really put some... Wait, you're disappointed in something WWE did with Finn Balor? No. Uh, Say it ain't so. Well, it's... <laughs> and so this week was really... it was If you were looking at how WWE creates its baby faces, this was a good week to look at it because every one of their major baby faces that didn't have anything really going on, they just love to smile about things. You know, I, I, I mean, doesn't have anything going on in the sense that they don't really have a direction for their character okay. uh, beyond the very kind of basic framework of he's a good guy. Uh, Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley, um, Bobby Roode, or even Ronda Rousey, when she's not being the baddest woman on the planet, she's smiling her face off. Yeah. Um, they're all just grinning like idiots. And it's how they've been doing their baby faces for years is if you're just a baby, baby face, smile a lot. Make sure you make sure you smile. Get those teeth out there. Yeah. Um, which is not a bad idea in terms of you want your baby face to be appealing to kids and, and come across as a baby face. But at a certain point, it becomes too much and it becomes a little creepy. And that's the lot's been made about how Finn has just ever since he he had like right around the time that he got back together with uh, with the OG Bullet Club guys. Uh, Anderson and Gallows. Anderson and Gallows. Yeah. And he started smiling a lot. We initially thought it was because he was just so happy to be with them. And then he just never stopped smiling. And it was just creepy as it's, hell. It's borderline Cheshire Cat creepy. Yeah. It's, it's just bad. And he's making it work. He's still over as hell. It's not, it's not really you know, hurting him. I think it hurts Lashley. Uh, he's the one that I really am just kind of like, it doesn't. Yeah. That's cringy. Yeah. It's, and I think Finn started off being cringy and has kind of found his way a little bit more now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, but he, so anyway, so there's not really anything happening with Finn and Corbin Corbin's off feuding with Roman. He's acting as the authority figure with Kurt, uh, you know, coming in and, and telling him what Stephanie McMahon wants him to do, but there's not really, I mean, Corbin beat Finn clean last week. There's no, there wasn't any real build this week other than that Finn, uh, screwed Corbin in this match, which didn't really, to me, add any any fuel to this feud. I don't feel like this feud is really building in any way. No, it's not at all. The fact that they're still having that, we didn't even get anything to, uh, this week on, on raw, except for Finn chasing him back down into the, that's what I mean. The, the highlight was on Roman, him facing off against Roman is a right. sort of retaliation thing from last week. That's what I mean. Yeah. So it, it wasn't was, even about the Finn and, and uh, Corbin yeah. feud. So it's a weird dynamic there. I'm just, and I'm also curious how the dynamics going to work going forward with, Corbin as the sort of the heel authority figure and Kurt as the somewhat face authority figure. He's just trying to make things work kind of yep. thing, kind of bumbling around. Um, but the question then becomes how much will the authority interfere in this Roman and Brock feud, you know, to try and, about like when triple H and Stephanie show back up. Yeah. But it's also the, the whole idea that the, the counter, the anti authority angle, right. That they've been loving sure. ever since the stone cold days where they, they want uh, the powers that be, to be pushing down on their babyface guy to their top babyface, so that they can overcome it. Yeah, right. So there's an underdog aspect to it. You know, it's hard. Well, the, the most recent one was probably uh, Daniel Bryan's big story from a few years ago. Absolutely, yeah. not even entirely their fault. Uh, yeah. they're, they're not not even their intention. I should. They absolutely their fault, but not their intention. Yeah. 
Um, so the, yeah, I, I think that they're definitely trying to do, uh, they've been tried to do a Daniel Bryan angle on Roman before, and it didn't quite work. This is a little bit more subtle with having Corbin being the spokesperson for the authority. Right. So the, the dynamic works for me. It's just, I think that they're doing too many things at once. And as a result, there's not enough heat being built towards Corbin and Finn. And it, it makes it seem like Corbin's the stand in for Brock Lesnar here. They're working a good angle with Brock. And we'll get to that in a second with the Paul Heyman stuff. But having Corbin be kind of the stand-in as the authority figure seems to me to be diluting the whole thing a little bit. They're still going with this conspiracy theory that uh, Roman won in Jeddah at the Greatest Royal Rumble, but the authority screwed him out of it for some reason. Uh, let's move. Let's move past that. Okay. I know we're not going to be able to move past Roman in this episode because there's so much Roman going on. But we, you did mention that we had an interview with Corey. Yes. Uh, going on. What went down in that interview? And and you know, it's it's one of those things where we we got sort of a retracing of the steps uh, of all of the last three years. That's of, a very kind way of putting it. Okay. How yes. would you put it? I would put it as WWE creating the history that they want to tell the story with. Oh, okay. You know, because there's a lot of stuff that they left out or changed to try <laughs> and right. give us, a, which, which fine, they're allowed to do that. This is the story they want to tell now. And, you know, you can, you can manipulate history if you want to try and tell a story. It's happened in a positive ways before. And frankly, if this climaxes in the way that feeds this story, sure, we can go along with it and it'll, it'll, it'll work. It will work, and it probably works for a lot of people who don't really want to, you know, microanalyze how things actually went down. Uh, but it was basically a rundown of the last few years of Roman fighting Brock and yep. the things that happened in between. We didn't talk about how Roman beat Triple H, for example. That was left out of this. This is just focused on Roman and Brock, which is fine. In my opinion, that's all it should be uh, focused on right now. Because that's what's important going into SummerSlam is Roman and Brock. Do you think and, the intermixing of Corbin into this at all just to poke at Roman will have some kind of after effect down the road? That's the question. I don't know if, if we're going to have any authority angle involved in this feud at SummerSlam. Yeah. Uh, frankly, I hope there isn't because I can't really see it helping. No. I I'm, think, I'm talking about beyond. Let's say the prophecy. Oh, like after the fact? Yeah, the prophecy oh, yeah. is fulfilled. <laughs> things move on. Uh, and then out, immediately after this. The we coronation kick, happens. Sure. Uh, we kick into a couple of weeks later, we kick into some authority angle with Roman Reigns and him turning against it. And we try to do Stone Cold 3.0 all over again with Roman. It's, it's interesting. I saw online someone mentioned something about the difference between how Stone Cold handled the authority and how Roman handles the authority, you know, something along the lines of Stone Cold goes and gets a Zamboni, runs it into the ring, jumps over all the policemen just to put some hands on the authority figure and then goes to jail as a result, whereas Roman sucker punches the authority figure and calls for some trainers to help him. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a dynamic <laughs> shift. <laughs> um, but that being said, you know, a lot can be made of those differences. It's fine. It's a difference in presentation. It's a whole different era. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it is apples well, and oranges. I'm not comparing apples to oranges here. But, right? but at the same yeah. time, we'll see what happens after SummerSlam when that happens. There's a lot of things that they could do that would work and a lot of things that you know I'm worried about right. not really working. Let's just get to SummerSlam and see what happens well, there. Well, speaking of interviews, um, let's talk about the Paul Heyman interview towards Absolutely. the end of the show. Uh, this was... I'm going to remember this. Like I'm there are certain key elements of like the last 8 to 10 years of of professional wrestling that I remember. Mm -hmm. Daniel Bryan overcoming the authority, evolution in the authority and sure. winning both the belts. I'm going to remember this 
this interview with Paul Heyman. That was one of the best acted, you know, things yep. that I've ever seen in WWE. Agreed. And I, I actually, when I was watching it, not only did I actually get emotionally invested in it, yeah. Um, but I after right after it, I just had to take a second and and think to myself, did I just see one of the greatest promos? of all time and it's really easy for wrestling fans to get hyperbolic and say it's the best it's the worst uh you have you know the clouded vision of the present uh not remembering everything in the past kind of you know right it, it's hard and, and then of course the golden glow of you know the nostalgia years so it's it's difficult to actually say oh it's on the level of hard times or it's on the level of uh you know 316 something like that but hard times at the times didn't have a name Hard times. It was just. Dusty it was just another was promo. Just a promo. Yeah, and it's just it has gained in legacy as yeah. the years went on. Yeah. This is one I think that should be looked back on and studied because this was, and this is something that's actually going to be a recurring theme on the show today that I really do want to address. And I, I actually want to go into our Facebook discussion group and find out who, who said this in our in our group. But okay. someone mentioned the fact that, um, that you know they should just they brought up the old uh, adage of they should take acting lessons. Right, that they should absolutely. If, that there's the 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 scripting of these superstars is one of the reasons why the promos these days aren't as good as they just they feel like they're speaking off of a script. And we had a pretty good discussion going about uh, how part of the problem is is that they don't take acting lessons; they take promo lessons, and that's a big divide between being able to cut a promo and to actually act. Those are two very different things. And if you just learn how to cut a promo, you're going to be kind of like Baron Corbin was in the opening segment this week where he just came across as really stilted and awkward when he tried to act. But Baron Corbin is a really good promo. So that is, that's a, that's a big divide. And Paul Heyman right here showed how someone who can act can deliver a promo that is head, shoulders, uh, torso, and groin above everybody else's promos that are going on. Uh, he was completely believable. He was completely uh, honest. He felt he felt real, right? And mm-hmm. even if everything that he said here had been scripted, you would have believed that he came up. With oh it. hell yeah! There was something in that discussion as well that had to do with uh, they don't get a lot of time with their material. So instead of focusing on the acting elements of delivering their promo, yeah, they're fumbling around trying to remember what they're supposed the to exact say. details and like the, the right. bullet points of the words, like the actual words. Are we supposed to use this particular word in this sentence because that's the important thing to hit? That's the important sure. word to hit, uh, and. That's fine. It happens in daytime TV all the time. Daytime soap operas, they get the scripts right before they go on. And that's sometimes why the acting there is a little stiff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that is part of it. I don't know. Don't tell that to my mother. But I won't. Yeah. Um, General Hospital for 30 years, that woman. I'll, I'll stay quiet when I see her later. <laughs> but, but no, the thing is, is that that's, you know, there are ways to fix what we consider the downside of the promos these days. Yeah. Right. We're still going to be looking back at this Paul Heyman promo and going, that was one of the most intense emotional promos ever given, period, hard stop. The reason why it's one of the best promos ever given isn't because of the intensity and the eloquence and the acting ability. It was because he was able to do all of those things and still promote the match and put a spin on the upcoming match that helped the match become more important. Yep. He was able to put over Brock Lesnar as being in a place emotionally or in his head 
that made him scarier and yeah. made him seem like a bigger obstacle for Roman Reigns and also made him seem more evil, right? And the whole point is you need to have Brock be as evil as possible because they need Roman to get cheered here. They need it. He probably still won't, but even if they can turn a percentage of fans yeah. on to, just to not boo him out of the building, that was what they tried to accomplish here. And that's what Paul Heyman, I thought, did his absolute best to do here is to put Brock over as being so terrifying right now that he would cause he would cause his former best friend and his manager a guy who's known him for 16 years whose families were close to become a unshaven crying nervous wreck of a human being who whose former bravado and confidence and outspokenness had been taken from him. He was a shell of a man to the point where before when he would berate interviewers and tear them apart, he used to just destroy anyone who was interviewing him, right? This week, he was he he just acquiesced to Renee Young at the one point where he said, she, she said, is it okay if I ask you a tough question? He goes, you know what? Just do your job. Hit me. I've got nothing left. Damn. And it was breathtaking. Yeah, Absolutely was. amazing segment. Yes, it was. Oh, well. Oh, I should add, if you watched uh, online, they added, this is an interesting little twist. Okay. Online, they added a quote-unquote unaired extra bit to the end. Which was? Which was that after they had gone black on TV, uh, the whole thing that Paul Heyman was saying is that against this Brock Lesnar, Roman doesn't stand a chance. Cut to black. On the online version, it keeps going and he goes, unless... Uh, and he pauses and takes off his mic and starts to walk away. And Renee oh. goes, what do you mean unless? Unless what? And then, of course, it all ends. And Renee's sitting there looking pensive. So <laughs> so now the now what I drama, one, drama, drama. one wonders what they're if they're just trying to put it in our heads that, you know, Roman could win. If they're trying to say, will Paul turn on Brock? There's all kinds of things that that then. I, they might have just been doing it just to, you know, just to spin us. I think it's what you said initially. It's to build up Brock to be like Paul Heyman, as evil and as snaky and as as good as he is at, at all of the stuff that he does. The fact that Brock Lesnar has gone to this level has now broken him down this much. Oh, yeah. I think it's exactly what you're saying about uh, it's just an effort to make it make him seem that much more insurmountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gone next level, Brock Lesnar. Right, but then but then to have Paul kind of hint that there is a chink in the armor that he might know something right that's a that's a nice little twist <laughs> for those of you who are not listening or not watching us live on youtube nick is currently eyeballing his Braun Strowman toy that's on his mic over there uh which we'll get to in a second because yes. obviously there's uh there's some other elements that are going on at SummerSlam that may have implications oh. in the universal title picture but we need to talk more about roman reigns because Wait, he was, yeah. Because he we was, haven't stopped talking about Roman Reigns. Because he was most of the show this week. Okay. Uh, we we also talk about him because he was involved in the Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, and Dolph Ziggler feud. Uh, Seth was put into a match against Dolph and Ziggler because he he was saying I can't just get Ziggler alone. There's always this Drew guy who's that coming. Damn McIntyre's yeah. everywhere. So Kurt said, "Cool, find a partner. You get a tag match against them tonight. Great." So Seth goes around trying to find a partner. Initially gets Tyler Breeze. Hey! Nice to see Breezy Breezy back yes. into some some time on TV. Even though he was, he quickly tried to get the shield uh, the shield 
little hand thing in there and I got excited got when he rejected. first came into frame and I was like because <gasps> he's a really good wrestler he is but and, and I was like wait what it, this could be a thing and then as soon as they did the comedy thing with the fist bump I just went oh, uh, yep. bye, bye, Bruce. Right. at least we saw him and this is this is what this is the point we've gotten to yeah is that if they get TV time at all it's like oh how good I'm so happy for them yeah you know but of course Roman ends up volunteering to be Seth's partner but then he gets disallowed from being part of the match by Baron Corbin, which is where we get the sucker punch later. Yes. But uh, so Seth goes solo against Drew and Dolph. Um, Can I pontificate here for a second? Please. I actually thought this was going to be a Dean Ambrose return segment. So did the audience. And they all chanted. Uh, they were all chanting. All chanting we, we want, want Ambrose. Ambrose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, when, as soon as he said he can't, Roman can't go out there. Mm. And it was just going to be Seth in a handicap format. Yep. I went ah. Now I would not rule out him showing up at SummerSlam. That seems to be the we're conventional really wisdom. Close. Uh, I think earlier in the year we knew he was going to be out nine months till yeah. September, coming back around SummerSlam. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's going to be middle of it's August. Time. It's he's he needs to make an appearance, I, and I, I think that might be a good place to do it. It it feels like that's what they're building for with uh, Seth having the odds stacked against him yep. in this, and 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 needing a, a partner needing someone to watch his back. Uh, it seems that be that's what they're building for. The question then becomes, does Dean Ambrose come back and help Seth? Or does he come back and screw over Seth? I think yes is going to be my answer. <laughs> one of those. I, Thanks, well, I, no, no, no. I think it's going to be one then the other. I think there's, there's still some some hatred from Dean for the Shield breakup, and we haven't really seen well, that manifest uh, until... So I think there is going to be something that comes in. We're all best friends. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see Dean crack a chair over the over Seth's back after the match or something like that, and we get a Seth and Dean rivalry sure. program. And that's so that's that one of the one of the things that's being uh, uh, suspected that's going to happen for this match, right? And but you throw it, potential champion Roman Reigns into the middle of that as some sort of three way where he has to pick sides. That's a great story. Oh, there's a lot of stuff, uh, yeah. lots of stuff to do with it, or they might have them go on a bit of a, a, a tag run for sure. a while and feud with Ziggler and McIntyre. Rollins and Ambrose have, was a lot of fun. Might, they might have Dolph. Uh, excuse me, Drew and Dean have a little program going on after this if Dean stays face. There's a lot of stuff they could do, and they don't need to have Dean come back as a heel, although it would be a very entertaining way to have him come back. And they did leave that set up with the way that he went out with the injury where he could possibly blame Seth for letting him be injured at the hands of Samoa Joe. Uh, Seth, mm. he might have, he might be like, oh, well, you caused that to I happen. I didn't think about they, that. They left it open either way. Yeah. You know what I mean? They didn't really... Put something. They they left both options open for themselves. So we'll see what happens. I I think that uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility to speculate that Dean comes back for SummerSlam for yep. this feud. Uh, let's move on and talk about your boy Braun Strowman, who uh, flipped the set of the Kevin Owens show this week. Of course he did. Of course he did. Because it it's what I do. It's what he does. What he it's does. what he does is destroy things. Um. Yeah. You had Jinder Mahal come out, who's now apparently Kevin Owens' guru. Uh, gender now being relegated to comedy act again, <laughs> uh, which, you know, at least there's a place for him. 10 years full circle. It's uh, Here we go. <laughs> I dare I say a, a point as like poking a toe at racism here. Like it's almost like he's what? the he's his guru. Oh, come on. You know on, what I mean? No. I just I just come that on. Up, putting that out. You've there. been in California. Put that out there. Uh, I'm a, whatever. I'm acting like a sensitive millennial. OK, yes. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I had avocado toast for breakfast this morning. That might be why. 
Uh, but no, in all seriousness, yeah, so gender's a comedy act now, which is fine. Kevin Owens is being a bit of a comedy act. They go back and forth on the stage talking about how Braun is just a big old bully. Braun flips their little set with them on it, which I felt was uh, a little anticlimactic. I don't know. It, it, it didn't have the visual impressiveness that I kind of thought it should until they showed the angle from the back and you see Braun actually pushing it over. And he's that literally really like cool. squatting the stage. Yeah. Yeah. That was a better with angle. the back of his head. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, and it turned into kind of a repeat of last week where he had a match against Jinder Mahal. Yeah, and uh, Kevin kept stealing the briefcase and trying to bait him to coming to coming out and losing by countout again, um, and he ultimately lost by disqualification because he hit Kevin with the briefcase. So two weeks in a row now, Kevin Owens has gotten in Braun's head and caused him to lose a match first by countout, then by DQ. Both ways that he can lose the the briefcase at SummerSlam. So now the question is, are they overstating this the way the fact that Kevin Owens is in Braun's head and then Braun will be overcoming this at SummerSlam to retain his briefcase? Or is this their their way of showing that it won't be a strange thing if Braun Strowman does lose his way at SummerSlam? You know, I think we're let's let's save this one. I'm gonna put a cork in this because I want to save my what I want to say till oh. later because one of our listener questions addresses this very issue. Uh, about what could potentially happen with the the outcome of that match. Okay. Um, so without giving anything about what I want to say there away, let's save that one for the listener So questions. stay tuned for yes. later in the show. Yes. We'll come back to this. We're going to talk about what could happen with the briefcase and KO and Braun Strowman and even the championship. Okay. So. Well, then let's move on and talk about one of the other big things that happened on Raw. It was one of the most promoted things for this episode of Raw and also the main event at the end of the third hour. Yes. Ronda Rousey having her first singles match on raw against alicia fox uh what did you think about this uh look i love foxy uh, and i've been on record saying that plenty of times this was kind of a dud for me really it, the 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 graps itself uh in in a sense it was just if you can't get out of the giant markery bowl of soup for ronda rousey long enough to just kind of watch because the commentary was jumping out of their skin screaming her name off the rooftops sure the, ever the crowd was was into it and all this, but I I, I actually tried objectively watched the match, and and it was a it was just nah. Well, it was a well, I mean okay to speak to your point, it was a glorified squash, but I don't know with two or three pretty serious botches of the one two or three big spots that they're supposed to have in the entire match. The whole match was about getting Alexa Bliss up on the ringside and letting them have moments leading into their match at SummerSlam. Which, of course, is the point. We're trying to promote sure. the match at SummerSlam. But I don't want to come out here and go, oh my God, Ronda Rousey is the best freaking woman wrestler in the world now, which it sounded like well, the but, commentary was doing that night. Uh, but that's also their kind of their their purpose is to put her over. She's the baddest woman on the planet! Well, they I mean, that's, but that's how we're promoting her. That's that's that doesn't surprise me that they would do that. Nothing about this match surprised me. I was not surprised that there was a couple of muffed moves. I was not surprised that the commentary was wetting themselves over Ronda Rousey, putting her over as being the next biggest thing because they paid a ton of money for her. Sure. Of course, they're going to make her sure. look like the best things in sliced bread. That's what, of course, they are. <laughs> was I surprised that there was stuff that, that were... You know, Alexa Bliss got involved. Of course not. They've got a match coming up. They've got to build some heat between Alexa Bliss and Ronda Rousey. They've been doing a terrible job of it. Nothing surprised me about this match. I wouldn't say they're doing a terrible job at it. I think they're doing a completely acceptable job at it. Okay. Uh, completely acceptable. Enough, there's nothing I would say that is being completely 
done wrong about this build. It is a completely satisfactory build, and I think it was smart to have part of the build be Ronda having a match. And yes, it was a glorified squash where Foxy got in a little bit of offense, and then Ronda just dismantled her. Sure. Um, but I also thought that the muffs weren't that bad. She still had enough, um, for instance, the botched suplex. Yeah. She still had enough uh, sharpness on it, like enough enough torque on it, that it still looked like a pretty beefy move. Uh, when she was beating up Foxy in the corner, like I couldn't help but notice how accurate her strikes were because she is a real oh, fighter. That part I ain't mad at. You that know what I mean? lightning fast. When it's, she it's really crazy. unleashed, she is absolutely dynamite to watch. And for me, that was the real takeaway about this is that I mean, Rhonda can have a couple of muffs in a match, but then just let her unleash, and it's boom. To me, I'm I'm excited again. She yes, she can do strikes, but can she do a 20 minute choreographed match? No, That's and I wouldn't what I expect her see. to. I wouldn't expect her to at this okay. point. She's barely just gotten into professional wrestling. I understand. She's that. not going to do a twenty-minute technical masterpiece already. Come on, she's but not. That's what they're making her seem like she is. That's my whole point. But no, make, everything is making it seem like she is the best thing. And in Roman women's Reigns wrestling. calls himself the best wrestler in the world. CM sure. Punk called himself the best in the world. That's what you do: is you build something up. It's it's. It's, that's as old as the business itself is to just make things seem like they're bigger than they are. It's it's they're selling I can't argue it. with that. It's selling it, and I you know we can take it with a grain of salt because we've watched it for long enough to know. All right, they're just using hyperbole to try to sell the show, but it doesn't mean that we have to necessarily buy into it. I want to buy with into of, it. We, and we I can, think that's why I'm frustrated. There you go. That, that's, there you go. That's it. But you don't. I want. I wanted it to be better than it's working out for me, and it's not working out for me the way that I. I didn't get what I want. There you go. I'm temper mad. temper your expectations, yeah. my son. Yeah, and you'll you'll end up being <laughs> a lot happier. Uh, so we also talk about the feud Foxy's, going on between. Foxy still looks great, by the way. Foxy still can. Keep yeah, she can still doing. absolutely go. Uh, a lot, I, I, uh, she was a little bit. <laughs> her selling was a little bit questionable. Anyway, we're not going to get into that. Uh, Elias and Bobby Lashley. The hell is going on here? Don't care. I Lashley went from what I thought could have been a really good feud with Roman Reigns to back down to the mid card bum, bum, and bum, doing bum. weird pseudo comedy uh, feuds with. I mean, this is feels like Singing Sammy like Zayn, Spider. It's like Sammy Zayn part two without the kind of the controversial military yeah. uh, thing going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's you have Elias who's promoting his new album, which, by the way, w- was a huge success on iTunes. Was it really? Yeah, it actually legit was huh. for four songs. It's pretty incredible. Um, but he came out and promoted that. He's got a, a quote unquote documentary crew following him around. The documentary that they already have up on WWE is hilarious, by the way. Okay. Um, but then Lashley comes out and just says, don't ever say my name, essentially, and then beats him up and stands tall. Uh, this is it's it's it's. it's Playing to one of Lashley's weaknesses, which is talking. having having a personality having and talking a, talking into a mic. Yeah, and and kind of being a robot. Yeah, it it what is not working at all. And the problem is Elias is so charismatic that it expounds how non charismatic Bobby Lashley is, unless he's given something really good to work with. Yeah. He's, he's not being given anything to work Keep with. Him here. doing physical stuff and have him come out and just murder people, and right? It, which he ended up doing at the end of sure. this. Which is, you know, but that problem is, is that once you see that too many times, it's it loses its luster. You know, okay, he can put someone in a vertical suplex for 30 seconds. Great. But then you see him 
talking against Elias and Elias blows him out of the water, as I said, in terms of charisma. And then we got a bit of a problem. Yeah. So that's where we're at with this. And uh, to me, I don't think they will put this on the pre-show because of the, you know, it's Lashley. And also because kind of because it's Elias, but it feels like pre-show. It feels like pre-show fodder to me or, or piss break match. Uh, well, getting into some of the stuff that uh, that didn't show up on the Hulu edition this week, uh, we had a match between Bobby Roode and Mojo Rawley. Is this continuing? Is this like an ongoing thing now? Speaking of strange feuds that might end up on the pre-show, Bobby Roode and Mojo Rawley, uh, who, again, I'm, I actually like Mojo Rawley. Like, I think he's a great promo. I think he's a completely satisfactory in-ring worker. He's got, you know, a lot of energy obviously, but uh, I, the booking of this feud with him and Bobby Roode is, is a little bit inscrutable to me, Yeah, where it starts off with Mojo bullying people in the locker room uh, last week and the week before, and Bobby's basically standing up to him and then coming out this week, fighting through a back injury and defeating him here. I don't know where they go from here. If this is ultimate, ultimately meant to put over Mojo and have him ultimately beat Bobby, which is just one more rung that Bobby's fallen down the ladder, which we can talk about in a second. Yep. But if it's that, or um, if this is just, that's it for this feud, like, okay, Bobby beat down the, the bad guy, Mojo Raleigh, and they really don't have any more plans for Mojo, which I can't imagine because they have been doing so much with him, even though it's lower on the card, they've been doing so much with him. Yeah. So it is very bizarre, this booking. And hopefully we get a little bit more of something to work with next week. So we have a better idea of where they're going with this. If they even know, well, I mean, what happened to Bob Roode? Coming out as NXT, I mean, all the people that have been NXT champion, maybe sans Finn Balor, uh, have had incredible stories on the main roster. Am I wrong in saying that? Wait, you said that they have all had incredible stories? Have, have all had great kind of runs on the main roster. I would say that's absolutely wrong. Okay, who would you, who I, else I, would you call I mean, they, how many times have they brought people up from NXT? I'm and talking about champions, NXT champions. NXT champions who've come up. Uh, Nakamura is a great example of someone who's been kind of... Sure bungled around but he's turned it around in the year last year in the last couple of months he's found something to do that is better yeah. but it was definitely a downward slide do you remember how special nakamura used to be yep. when he came out and people lost their minds now he's just another wrestler uh you know even finn balor from where he was in nxt the mystique that he had in nxt fallen off a lot samoa joe finally getting back into the main event feud largely because of injuries we haven't sure. really seen a lot of samoa joe um so there's a lot of the the NXT champions who really haven't blown up on the main roster. And in the case of Bobby Roode, that's one of the biggest mistakes they made was have him come out as a face who basically at the beginning was just generic face in Ric Flair robes with a really fun song to come out to. Yeah. And nothing else. He has they've built no other character for him beyond that. And in NXT, there's all kinds of levels and layers to his character, whether as a babyface or a heel. Like we can like saying someone should turn heel is the always the easiest way out, and it is the easiest thing to say about Bobby Roode. He also might be the best example of someone who could be easily fixed by turning him heel. Oh, totally. Uh, Put him in a suit and make him go authority angle, be aligned with the authority somehow. Yeah. Perfect. Boom. Done. Or even just with himself, and he's just that you know uh, that kind of yeah. entitled a hole. Yep. Whatever. It would be the easiest fix. But the problem is, is that he can only go for so long being known as the glorious guy and, and say glorious all the time. It's kind of run its course. It's run its course. And it's just going to he's going to naturally get less and less audience reactions. 
as a result. All right, wrapping things up here for Monday Night Raw. Uh, Razor defeated Titus from Titus Worldwide. Nobody gave a shit. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering, I'm beginning to wonder if Akam and Razar might have heat backstage somehow. I don't. Uh, mm. Because they came out as dominant, dominant, dominant NXT tag team champions taking down DIY. See, all of that stuff. I But you compare to how the Ascension was treated, right? Where they came out and they're they not were, the Ascension. Well, they're not, but the Ascension was originally put over as being kind of the the next big thing in tag teams. And you remember the fact that they had all of these older tag teams then beat the crap out of them, yeah, right, and 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 put them down and say you're not, you're nothing. They got, uh, I hate to say it, buried. They did get uh, buried by a lot of the old timers, and they never recovered from that. Now, AO, that's something where I go, whoa, what the heck did those guys do? They haven't done that with, with, uh, with AOP as much. They haven't really made AOP seem like losers. They've just made them seem normal. Yeah. And that might be almost as bad because that was the thing. AOP was special. And now they don't feel special anymore. They feel like another tag team that's trading wins down low on the card. And that's too bad. Yep. Yeah. And, and I hate it for them. I don't know where we we get them back. You know, we we I don't want to open the you know manhole cover of the the Monday Night Raw tag division again. But it's it, I want to focus specifically on AOP. Like what happened? And to, the reason I said what I said is because it feels like there's no reason those guys shouldn't be in a decimated Monday Night Raw tag team division. There's no reason those guys should not be working better matches than doing 50-50s with Titus yeah. Worldwide. I think the biggest problem is just timing. They came up right when the Bludgeon Brothers were becoming big, and they would feel too much like the Bludgeons if they were dominant in the same way. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of the tag team, the, the division on Monday night, we now have uh, we had a little thing going on this week where the B team and uh, the Revival had a match that was interrupted by the Deleters of Worlds. So next week, we're going to have a three-way for the tag team championships, which I think is just their way of getting it out of the way so we don't have a tag team match at SummerSlam. Really? That's my guess. We're not, no tag belt defenses at SummerSlam. Uh, not for Raw, for SmackDown. Holy smokes, dude. Yeah. Wow, that would be, that would be pretty, uh, pretty disappointing. Well, but I think that's what's happening. And unfortunately, that's because they haven't really done any, any real good job of building up any of these teams. Yeah. Right? Like, who is AOP going to come in and wipe the floor with when the top of the division is kind of meh and doesn't really get an audience reaction? Oh, talk it's that way about the B team. Nice to see the Revival getting some love here. Yes. Um, but I think yeah. they're the, I'm, I'm hoping that they're the ones that come out of this victorious. I don't want to see Bray Wyatt and, and Matt Hardy fumble around in the ring anymore. The B team are fun, but that, that's got to be transitional. I want some real legit effing tag teams back on my Monday Night Raw, and I want AOP, and I want Revival, and yeah, I want Anderson But you have to make them all feel whoever legit. Whoever all of that is going to be. Yeah. Right? You have to make them feel legit, and no one feels legit right now. Yeah. Even the B team has this new awful entrance music that that sounds cheerleaderish like it doesn't it just kind of kills the charm that that is the only thing that that team has going for it yeah so that's that's unfortunate well to wrap things up here on monday night raw we got to talk about uh sasha and bailey getting swerved by the returning ruby riot yes ruby's back yes this was awesome yes yes even though sasha and bailey have been feuding way too much with the riot squad it's mostly because there's not a whole lot else going on for them to do i think it's bigger than that i think Um, there's preamble going on here for we know now that we're going to have the first ever women's pay-per-view yes uh, evolution in october 
culminating with the May Young Classic Finals and what I, I think we're going to get some introductions over the next 90 days of tag team belts, women's tag team belts. That's the theory. In some way. Yeah. We haven't really figured out like how it's going to come out. I just think that having this many matches between the two teams muddies the water more oh, than sure. it does create really an interesting feud to sure. set up for that. But we'll see. I mean, this is, and this it's is a way to nothing. get them all on TV too. Yeah. And it's, it's nothing that really can't be, you know, can't be saved, can't yeah. be rescued. I think that they're, especially now with Ruby riot back that you're adding some more different elements to it. So wait and see on this still can't stand the uh, boss and hug connection. That's one for the, we were never going to say that. That's again. one for the kiddies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did say that, didn't I? <laughs> I lied, but now, no. I, now I mean it for sure. But uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens with, with all of that. We, we have a speculation where it's going. We'll see if it leads to something at SummerSlam. Probably find that out next week. Yeah. But in the meantime, that's it for Raw. We need to head over and talk about SmackDown Live. Well, just as we were talking about the girls on Monday Night Raw getting into their tag team stuff, uh, we had some tag team action happening on SmackDown Live with we the women this sure week. We sure did. And uh, we're seeing this kind of coming together of sorts of Becky and Charlotte. And it's getting very, very interesting because I thought they were going to go in a face versus face sort of thing. I think they kind of are still. Maybe. I love the dynamic here. Let me me just take a step back. Okay. So we had Becky and Charlotte versus the Iconics. And the dynamic that's going on, the Iconics are fairly irrelevant in this feud. It's more about Becky and Charlotte. They were fine. They did their parts. I love the Iconics. Um, but the, the real meat here is Becky and Charlotte. The fact that they're friends, they're a little, the way that they talk to each other backstage where Becky says, look, I'm happy for you that you're getting your shot, but you kind of stepped on my toes here. Charlotte saying, I'm sorry, I'm your friend. I'm sorry. I'm stepping on your toes, but I was given the opportunity and that's just who I am. You know, I go for the big prize every chance I get. Right. So live and let live. They end up, of course, beating the iconics and being backstage afterwards, celebrating and then saying, well, you know, but we're still, I'm still going to try and take you out at SummerSlam. And their little, you know, tea thing, clinking their teacups at the end turned real tense. Their tea sweet? Yeah. The tea <laughs> Oh, my God. Did I just say that out loud? I'm sorry. That's actually pretty good. Okay. You're welcome. Um, you guys can use that one, by the way. <laughs> uh, All right. Don't get, don't get ahead of yourself. Here. Right. No, I, I actually like this. I, I love this. I, I, I don't want to see it in a tag team format, but I understand that they're just building to the match. I'm not a huge fan of the triple threat scenario that we got ourselves into at SummerSlam. Why not? But I'm not terribly mad at it. Why either. would you, why would it be? I, I think it's great because Car- you have Carmella as the weasel champ. who can take advantage of these two faces having issues with each other. Right. And then the dynamic between Becky and Charlotte is fantastic. It's so interesting to try and speculate on, on what's exactly going on here. Like, is Charlotte going to turn heel on Becky? Is Becky going to turn heel on Charlotte? Are neither of them going to turn heel, but both, you know, are they going to team up to go beat the hell out of Carmella? You know, sure. Or is it just going to be one of those things where you've got these two faces, these two strong ladies who both want to be the best and just are going to collide and some, someone's going to get screwed over. Yeah. I don't That's, know. I love it. We'll see. I love it, and I, and I love the way these women are performing it. They're doing a fantastic job. Um, I don't know who if Becky and Charlotte pushed to have this, this program together um, because they, they're real-life best friends, but they do have such charisma and chemistry together. It's just so good. Yeah. It's just so good. Well, something else that was 
really good, I thought, this week was uh, New Day versus The Bar. We're continuing in this tag Holy team crap, vein. Holy crap, that was a good match. Uh, what an incredible match that was. Wow. Uh, I think both of them look great in at the end of this. Yeah. I, I, New Day can do anything. Yeah. Anything. They've they're, gotten cereal over. They've gotten pancakes over. Yeah. They're just whatever. They, they're, you put them on commentary. They can do commentary. Yes. You give Kofi a mic and a blonde wig, and he can interview the other members of the New Day in a funny voice you know what i mean and then they can go to a uh, they can go to the ring and wrestle some of the best matches in wwe are you kidding me yeah unbelievable people ask why they're still together after all this time that's why because they haven't gotten to the point where you should break them up yet they're still gold you know and kudos to the bar too those guys obviously are fantastic wrestlers i love them together it's one of those things where I want to see them both have have singles careers because I, I really respect both of those wrestlers, but they're just so good as the bar. And it's the, this match was so good. I wasn't even mad that the bar lost. You know what I mean? I kind of yeah. wanted the bar to go and get some shine and, and go on to SummerSlam and have a match, even though it would have been a weird dynamic against the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah, it that makes been weird. more sense to have the New Day face the Bludgeon Brothers again. Um, I just I wanted to see more of the bar. I missed them while they were away. So, but, and this made me miss them more being like, oh, we could have been having matches like this. Right. Holy crap. Great without, near, without the Bludgeon Brothers. Exciting near falls, but New Day does pull it out and they are going to SummerSlam to face the Bludgeons, yeah. uh, who also had a, a quote unquote match this week, a, a squash match. Yeah. They, they showed up. Yeah. One good wrestler and Eric Rowan. Um, hey. So did you know Heath Slater was back on SmackDown Live? He came out and gave a big promo uh, against Samoa Joe about his kids and about how what a what a how, what a dad. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, no, that, that was AJ Styles. AJ Styles came out and did a retort to Samoa Joe about his his hu- being a husband and a father and his kids. You had me for a second there. I was wondering what the heck you were talking about. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I liked AJ's promo this week. It was this was good. This was, was a good. good fire. You know, good old Southern family man values. Absolutely. I, Bring it on. Yeah. That's, I, that's my, that's you my really, bread and butter. You can't screw up an AJ Samoa Joe feud in my no. book. I mean, you can, but this was definitely not. Uh, this is the way to, to, to build it up nicely. And frankly, this is something I expect to go on past SummerSlam. Oh, please. I have a feeling this will continue past then because there's just so much to do with these two. Um, and it's And I hate to say this. This already feels like a more passionate, interesting feud than AJ and Shinsuke. Yeah. I hate to say that. Yeah, but it's, it, it's probably smart that they moved Nakamura over to the U.S. title picture rather than continuing. Because, I mean, AJ beat him pretty handily. So it was, or I guess, I don't know. At the end of the day, what is what did we really get out of the AJ and the Nakamura set of matches that we had the first half of this year? Uh, uh, a really, really sore set of nuts is what we got. There, there, was, go. a, there was a lot of low blows in that feud. I think I... Someone's got to research that dick punch. Someone has to research that. Was there ever a feud that had more dick punches in it than Nakamura AJ? I don't know. I just maybe only Toru Yano. Ah, every feud he's ever had. Yeah, maybe. But (laughs) I mean, ongoing feuds. I don't know. Anyway, AJ and Joe is money. This is going to steal the show. Yeah, I mean, I could see them. I I kind of want them to put like a little extra stank on the end of this, like just something next week where it just goes that extra level of personal before SummerSlam. But like I said, I expect it to go on for a while so they could do that later. But uh, yeah, that was fantastic. Another feud that is I can't wait for is Daniel Bryan and The Miz. And this week, Miz gave a promo on the quote-unquote set of Miz, Miz and Mrs., his new hit reality Which show about having a baby. just looked like some back 
stage red carpet oh. banner tapestry or something. You're saying it wasn't real, Nick? <laughs> what? It's oh. still real to me. Oh my, my poor sensitive brain. No, but yeah. So Miz gave a great, another great promo, uh, running down Daniel Bryan until Daniel Bryan showed up and attacked him, uh, and and the two security guards like a madman uh, until Miz hit him over the head with a vase and made his escape with his security guards. Did and you then, just say vase? Vase. Yes, I did. It's a vase. Uh, it's a vase, uh, and like just the kind that was owned by my aunt, who I would visit on uh, on holiday, uh, that I would schedule in. Uh, but yeah, so then Daniel Bryan ended up chasing off Miz, kind of like someone out of a horror movie, just like stalking after him. So this is I I wasn't really a fan of Daniel Bryan getting hands on the Miz, but I also I understand and I I love the fact that Miz keeps getting away. Oh and, yeah, and at some point Daniel oh, yeah. Bryan will really get his hands on him. I mean, what do we do next? A lumberjack match for the go home show? Or? Oh God, no! Not even that much. No. Just how do we? How do we get those two to? Do you have... need any more? I don't. No, I don't. No, no. I don't need right. any more. I'll shut up. I, Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, just you, give me the match. Yeah, we've been waiting for this you, since Talking Smack three years ago. Yeah, you could literally just, just have give them us the match. Both give a promo next week, and I'm fine. I'm ready yeah. to go. I need nothing else. This is done. Uh, also, the show opened with more talking. Randy Orton. Uh, monologuing like a uh, like a villain in a comic book movie for about ten minutes uh, about how he erased Jeff Hardy's identity and how he's back to uh, get respect from the WWE audience. People forgot people forgot about Randy, and now he's back and he's going to RKO somebody. I didn't like this. No, I just want Randy coming out. I just want Legend Killer Randy coming out. Shut up! Don't talk. <laughs> just kill people. I think just, we'll just, get that after this. I think this was just like mission statement. From now on, I speak with my actions. I think this was just the little, Good. you know, we had a couple of Randy coming out and killing Jeff Hardy, and then we're going to take this break. He's going to look at, you know, look at everybody and be like, hey, yo, just so you all know what I'm doing. Uh, hey, yo. I don't know why he became Scott Hall for a second there. <laughs> you going to thump a match at me next? <laughs> take a note to the bad guy. Uh, yeah, he just had to come out and so, so just so everyone knows, I'm bad now, and uh, I'm going to be hurting people. Cool. I'll be over here. Get ready for some RKOs out of nowhere. That's all this was. RK. Oink. Yep. I like this. Oh, can I mention? You said mic drop. Yeah. Can I mention something really quickly? We I forgot to mention this on Monday Night Raw. Ronda Rousey gave the greatest mic drop of all time. That wasn't a drop. That's what I'm saying. It was a spike. Yeah, she spiked the she shit. She spiked out of that the mic. Cur- some poor tech guy in the back just went no. Yeah. Well, his as his meters hit clipped out and his ears exploded. <laughs> yeah. That was five hundred dollars. Yeah. That was such a. <laughs> Those but it, were more than but that. The best part is the the fact the mic bounced back up into the shot. Yeah. She hit it so hard the mic just went back by her face. That was uh, another. Sorry, I just want to. I loved that Ronda Rousey moment. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here in the notes because I want to save one thing for last. Let's talk about mm. Nakamura killing our truth. Okay. Um, our truth is back. He is uh, apparently thinking that he had to beat Carmella to uh, have a championship opportunity. Yes. Uh, this week, as you he, do, yeah. This so this week as a sort of gateway to get to Carmella, he had to face off with Shinsuke Nakamura, and they were still pretty hyped for. Our, does our truth age? I don't think he does. I think he stopped aging at like thirty-two. He looks the same as he did ten years ago, and he acts the same too. Yeah. I mean, he's still. I, I frankly still think he's a lot of fun. This was very fun. Uh, you know, Nakamura he's still doing the splits. Nakamura yeah. talking to him in Japanese and R Truth acting like he knows what he's talking about right. and being like, I can't <laughs> believe he just said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was all and even Ty Dillinger showing up for a brief cameo trying to like cool R Truth right. down. Can we get them to be a tag team? Oh. Be fine with that. Um uh, Ten Truth or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> the perfect truth. 
Well, I intentionally wanted to uh, save what we're going to talk about next for last because I think we're going to we're going to go around a little bit here. Well, well, hold on. What did you want to say about Nakamura and our truth? Was it just like was it, just it happened? Was just welcome just hooray, back our truth. Hooray, our truth. Well, yeah. hooray, welcome back our truth till he takes a Kinshasa after Charlotte, a North Carolina. It was a, oh, he's also right. From he's your hometown boy. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I thought this was fun. You know, it was a way to show Nakamura being dominant and and give our truth a little bit of love. So, yeah, yeah it was fine. And, and he, like you said, he still hypes a crowd. The big takeaway here is that Hardy wasn't there, and there's still a bit of an unknown that we may find out not until next week, till the go home show. Is Hardy going to be involved? Because we had Orton come you know, out they, and give they, a promo, and we had uh, Shinsuke beat down our truth. They officially announced it will be Shinsuke Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy at SummerSlam. I've still heard that Jeff Hardy's injured. How much will Jeff Hardy do at SummerSlam? Will Randy get involved? These are a bunch of unknowns that you, I mean, really cannot find answers to. And I've, I've tried looking around for answers to this. And I'm really curious what is going on here for real. Yeah. So I guess we'll find out next week. Uh, yeah. Last but certainly not least on SmackDown Live, Zelina Vega and Lana again with Cian Almas and Rusev at ringside. And backstage segments with uh, uh, Aiden English abound, and there's all kinds of... This is a mess. All right, so you had Aiden English backstage. You had Rusev and Lana preparing for Lana's match against Zelina Vega Part 2. You had Rusev coming in and saying, don't worry, I'll be out there this time. No no one's going to screw you over. Aiden comes in, apologizes for last week. After a very tense moment, Rusev says, okay, we accept your apology. Um, this was all good stuff. It, it, it completely clearly establishes the dynamic. Aiden's yep. on the outs. You know, uh, Rusev and Lana obviously still much, very much on the same page. Uh, Aiden's trying his best, but you know, Rusev says, "Why don't you just stay back in the back tonight? Like we accept your apology, but just hang back, bro." Yeah. So once again, we have a Lana and Vega match. It was about as good as you as you would expect. Um, it's frustrating because you had. Uh, someone who's very talented on the outside in Rusev and arguably one of the best wrestlers in WWE in CN Almas standing on the sidelines in a suit. That was frustrating. But at the same time, fine. This is more about the story than it is about the wrestling. And sure enough, at a certain point, things break down and Aiden runs out to make the save, but costs Lana the match again. Yeah, spears Almas into Lana or into on the, the ring post. And, yeah. And- Somehow she tumbles over by getting a feather breeze, like piece of paper knocked. I don't know. Let it happen. It's I'm about just, the I'm, story. I'm just not go, I'm about going the for wrestling. The, I'm going along for the ride. Okay. I'm, I'm going to enjoy the ride uh, because this culminates in Rusev and Cian Almas at some point. One hopes so. And Rusev is getting the face chance again. He's he's acting face. Finally, uh, my question is just where are they going with the Rusev day breakup? What happens with Rusev and Aiden? I, I hope it's a redemption heroic moment where Aiden comes in and, and you know helps Rusev overcome Almas or something like that, yeah. and that gets him back. In the, I hope it's not the stereotypical 101, they have a match, they fight, Aiden's out. Yeah, they're whatever. in a position where they could make this a really fun story yeah. and have Aiden be redeemed and have Rusev Day go face yeah. and have him go face because he has been the, the most heelish member of Rusev Day and have this be kind of his way of turning into a face. And then, you know, having Rusev Day reunite as a face stable as opposed to so bad. Sort of a tweener. I know you do. <laughs> a lot of us do. <sighs> but uh, we'll see what they have planned because this could go several different ways. And several of the ways I think could work. Yeah. I think as long as you end up with Rusev as a face, Lana as a face, they obviously want to push Lana. They obviously like Lana a lot. She is over. So no reason not to. Um, but they, as long as they continue those pushes, 
and and don't just let it all fall by the wayside. I'm I'm really curious with what they do. Yeah. Well, guys, that's SmackDown Live and the end of the main roster on WWE. But stay tuned. Uh, we've got a whole other section here for you all about the wide world of wrestling. Oh, here we go. As always, we kick off with NXT. WWE's developmental division, although it's hard to call it that these days because there just is so much it's better than what's going on on the main roster. Well, it's it's cleaner and they, they're definitely working a very different system than the main oh, roster yeah. is um, a lot more time to prepare for matches, slower builds, shorter shows. So it's it's easier for them to put out a really tight, good product. But it's hard to argue that they're not doing better wrestling and better character work in NXT because they absolutely are. Yeah. They absolutely are. And, and especially looking at the character work, it's just, mm, it is absolutely head and shoulders. Well, we opened up with a newcomer this week uh, that we had not seen before, that I had not seen before, Amber Nova. I have never even heard of her. Some, yeah. uh, if someone knows more about her, I haven't had a chance to really research because we just watched NXT before we went live today. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't really had a chance to research her history if she's just... Uh, straight well, out of the performance she was, center. She was brand new, like two, 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 two years. years I yeah, think is so what she must said. be a for- performance center kid. Pretty good. Pretty really damn good. Damn good look. Got the look, great outfit, cool entrance music. Ring presence. Yeah. Yeah. Faced off. Look, looked like she had some moves against Nikki Cross. Yeah, she did have some nice, interesting offense. Uh, still got killed by Nikki Cross. Of course. As you do. Uh, it was nice to see Nikki back looking dominant, a way to kind of remind us that Nikki Cross is insane yes. and will kill you. Um, so yeah, this was a, a fun way to start it off. And then also fun way to, to continue the show was to have Ricochet's music kicking in and everyone get all hyped for Ricochet. I did. I almost yeah. stood up. Oh, we both just were like, Ooh, Ricochet. Yeah. And the crowd, you can hear him doing the one yeah. and only now uh, it's, it's kicking off. That song is, is damn good entrance song. Yeah. Only Ricochet wasn't at the top of the ramp. Well, I mean, he, he was. He was. He, he was, was just. He was laid, laid out, out like a piece of meat in front of the four <laughs> members of Undisputed Era. Adam. Uh, Adam Cole, baby, uh, saying that he was not a coward. He didn't need to stand behind anybody uh, to take out Ricochet, even though he had three guys with, yeah. uh, uh, all around him, which was great heel stuff. Uh, but yeah, so they're prom- we're promoting this match between Ricochet and Adam Cole at SummerSlam. This is a, a great way to build for it. I think simple, effective. Heel gets one over on the face. Great. Fantastic. We know right where we are. Yeah. Uh, and I cannot freaking wait for that match. Yeah. That's going to be great. Real quick in the chat, Jared filled us in. She's only been Amber Rose. Uh, Amber Rose. Amber Nova has only been wrestling for two years. Mostly wrestles in Florida, but was in Impact for a bit last year. Mm. Okay. That does make sense. Okay. That does make sense. Thank, Thank you, Jared. You Jared. Yep. <laughs> he's a, Jinx, you owe me a. He's our he's our research guy. Yes. Jared's always on top of it. Next up, uh, another woman, Vanessa Bourne, uh, was being interviewed backstage uh, leading up to her match against, uh, I'm going to butcher her name, Tainara? Tanara Conti. Tanara Conti. Yes. Uh, to determine who the 32nd spot in the Mae Young Classic would be. Yes. One of those two. Yes, because they'd already announced the entire roster. This was kind of, I, I thought, a gimme. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it's Oops. interesting how <laughs> much they show Vanessa Bourne. Yeah. Neither of us are terribly high on her. No. Um, there's other people that we both think have more talent, uh, both in-ring and presentation. But for some reason... A lot of Vanessa Bourne. It's a Samoan curse, I'm, man. I'm not going to say it's Samoan because she's Samoan. I'm not going to say that. It's, uh, it's I'm not not that, saying that. It's that Samoan curse, I'm not dude. not saying that. Vince has got it. 
But Tonara Conti does pull out the win here. She will be in the Mae Young Classic. This was a very hmm, shrill match. Lots of screaming. Good word. Yeah, she does have a very... She rivals Carmella with Lots her of shrill screaming. screamy. At least with Carmella, I think it's funny. <laughs> here, I was just kind of like, oh, God. Um, yeah, so th- but this was fine. This was a fine match. Tonara Conti's in. I'm curious to see what she does in the Mae Young Classic. If they're promoting her this... Like, her getting in this hard, maybe she will go deeper than she did last time where she lost in the first round. Yeah. So we'll see. She spent a year now working at the Performance Center. Next up, speaking of newcomers uh, like Amber Nova, we had another one this week who came out looking like, uh, was it Ryu? It's Ryu from uh, Just because he wore a key doesn't mean he's Ryu. Well, but it was sleeves torn off and whatever. So I'm going to butcher his name too. Adrian Jaude? Jaude? Yeah. My my Portuguese is terrible. Yeah. Uh, And I've actually got some Brazilian friends who will kill me if I try to pronounce his last name. So I won't even try. (laughs) Um, but what was what was interesting about him? He was very visually impressive because he showed off a couple of different styles when he first got to the ring. You yeah. know, he immediately went into like a capoeira stance, and then he went into a muay thai stance. Obviously, has been trained in multiple styles. Who knows how legitimately? Uh, apparently, the commentary is putting him over as being actually a really legitimate guy. Yeah, he, uh, he was in the Pan Am. So I, he was in the Pan Am Games. Came in, got the silver. Yeah. Uh, for amateur wrestling in the Pan Am Games. So apparently, so he's a legit, pretty legit, legit wrestler. He gave me some Steve Blackman vibes. I'm not going to lie. Maybe it was the beard and the lack of facial expression, right. but um, <laughs> or not any sure. Sort of charisma whatsoever. How day? Anyway, yeah. How uh, day? I'm going to die. I'm gonna, they're going to kill me. But uh, this was against Cassius Ono. Now the of interesting, it was. Oh, yeah. And this was the interesting takeaway here was. Uh, Adrian, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name again, uh, came across looking like a very serious opponent. Cassius took him apart. Yep. He beat the crap out of him. And Cassius came across looking really vicious here. They've named his elbow the Dream Killer, his big knockout elbow, the Dream Killer. It used to be the knockout elbow. Right. Now it's the Dream Killer. Interesting. Are we teasing a slow heel turn for Cassius Ono? Is he too tweener at this point? I, well... I, I, mean, I don't know if he's ever tweener. Sale. He was pretty much always face, pretty much face yeah, but all the time. I, what I mean is, is if he if they do try to do that, is it going to work, or the, is the crowd still going to sing his song? If and, he continues, you know, to, if if Cassius continues to be kind of the gateway guy that, in yeah. in NXT, I think it will work really well if he is a heel. Okay. He's the guy who brings the new guys, and they have to overcome this monster dude in Cassius Ono to kind of earn their stripes. Yeah. He or they definitely get, felt like he was working that this match. I mean, be on the lookout for Fabian Eichner having a, pro, a program with him and having to overcome him. I, I, I could not be mad at I, that. At some point, they're going to pull the trigger on Fabian, and you know, I, I think that might be I something that they do with him. up to get into the heavyweight class. I don't, yeah, I don't think he wants to be on 205 Live. No. <laughs> but uh, speaking of the bigger boys, EC3 and Velveteen Dream, we need to talk about their... What would you even call it? There, we could spend a whole segment? hour on what went down in this ten-minute segment. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't like, even ten minutes. It was, it was like just, five minutes at most. Holy, what a mind job! It was bizarre, yeah. which was wonderful. It was, but it, we had a couple of really bizarre uh, program or, or what would you call it sets this this week, where you had uh, first you had uh, street profits in front of an ATM calling it the at the moment moment with the street profits, and they basically just were talking about uh, fighting the mighty next week and it's impossible to describe because it was just them being completely insane yeah um well no it's just being them being the street being profits. themselves uh, turned up to 11 which right. cool it Hard. worked i i was like all right cool i'm in this sounds like fun uh, 
But then we had the Velveteen Dream EC3 segment, which was... At his facilities. His facilities which looked like it was a, a next to a hotel pool right. somewhere in Florida. Some, they found some hotel in at Orlando. Yeah, and he was sitting on the uh, the lounge chair with one next to him. EC3 shows up, and uh, and uh, Velveteen asks him to walk with him. No, no, no. He says, sit down, EC3, and then walk with me. And then walk As soon as he sits down. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to describe this segment because it was so bizarre, but it came down to them essentially talking at each other poolside. And you getting this constant threat of Velveteen pushing EC3 in the pool. And of course, at the end, once EC3 verbally decimates Dream, Dream goes to get EC3 and EC3 basically shoulders him off into the pool. Yeah. Fireman Carey throws him off into the pool and he, and Velveteen apparently can't swim. But it's only three feet. Because it was three feet of water and Velveteen right. was acting like he was drowning. Um, okay. And then it cuts to black. Yeah. Uh, not, I think we both looked at each other and just, what the what hell did, just happened? What did we just see? I don't know, but I think I liked it. I think I was entertained. It was, it was, it was very weird. But at the same time, I was entertained. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to their match because, of course, it's going to be fun. Two big things left to talk about here at NXT. Marcel Barthel. Marcel Barthel. Yes, the, the skinny Walter, I'm going to yes. call him. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's a good way Absolutely. to do it. Skinny Walker faced off against our boy in his debut. Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Oh, and uh, we basked. Oh, did we bask in it his was, glory. It's, it's always weird to see the indie guys go to NXT and to see uh, that crowd do what we've seen them do on the indie circuit, you know, whether it's it's Adam Cole, baby, or yeah. whether it's, you know, bask in his glory uh, and any, any of that stuff. They were Hearing, even doing the Keith Lee. Of course, Keith Lee. but see, but hearing the new, it's always weird and, and but cool at the same time. Which yeah. is like, oh, that's mm, our, our little boys all grown up, you know. But uh, so this was, I thought a a decent debut for Keith Lee. Yeah, I think I remember you saying afterwards that they showed like one tenth a of what he's capable of. Tenth of what that boy is capable of. Yeah, a tenth of what that guy can do. I the, like the upside f- on him is huge. It's huge, and they basically showed him to be a big guy with some athleticism who got some strength stuff as a nasty double chop, but who also is coming across with this positivity message. You know, just tr- stick to it, try hard. Yeah, never um, give up. All that stuff. All that stuff. Smart. Yep. If they're going to really book him as a face, that's a, that's something that can take him a long way with how WWE likes to promote itself, especially in the higher up levels. And oh, they yeah. want to have people doing Make-A-Wish and they want to have people, um, you know, posing with fans who are uh, disadvantaged in some way in the audience. Um, that's something that can take Keith Lee a long way. If he gets over with that and becomes this beacon of positivity in the WWE, mm, that guy can go a long oh, way. Oh, it's going to be good. I thought it was interesting they made him shave his beard too. I think it was because it, it, they well, wanted him to look younger. He had like the chin strap thing going on. He did, um, but uh, he doesn't have the big beard anymore. Yeah. I think it youngs him up a little bit. Yeah. So smart. Maybe I should look into that. Mm. No, I'm still I'm keeping the beard. No, you just got to color your beard a little bit, and then you're you're good. Get rid of some of those grays. Nah. <laughs> uh, finally, on NXT, the culmination of something happened. Uh, we were going to have a match between a, a sort of redemption match for Aleister Black to have a match with Johnny Gargano mm-hmm. to get back for... Gargano screwing him over. Gar- yeah. That lasted about five minutes before somebody got... Before Ciampa, Ciampa gets involved runs down, of course. with the title. It, it, it just the bell rings. It's a disqualification. Everything goes nuts. 
And man, we are on our way to well, TakeOver. Or so we thought. This was basically the setup for a triple threat at TakeOver, which would have been the best option. And the reason it would have been the best option is we don't want the payoff for Gargano Ciampa yet. We want to keep that burning. Yes. And to have to pay off the Alistair angle in this not only helps Alistair Black in terms of the fact that he just lost his belt, um, but it also pays off the story more it, it slows down gargano ciampa and it gives alistair black some redemption from from losing his belt right unfortunately in a house show uh in real life uh, alistair got crotched in a match with ciampa and it actually required surgery and i don't know Ouch. how much of this is a, is a work or not but um apparently it was the injury was actually worse than initially thought or reported and he's gonna be out for a while yeah um, so the, of course the immediate thought is making me cross my legs as to what the injury could have been. I'm, I'm, I hate I'm to like uncrossing. My- I hate to think, but, uh, the bottom line is there will be no triple threat. And they have announced that since then, Alistair got quote, jumped in the parking lot out back of NXT. Um, which you, which by the way, never walk the NXT parking lot alone. I mean, Hideo Itami should have been the lesson right there. Yeah. But Alistair didn't learn that lesson. What was his tweet? Parking lot un- is unsafe. not safe. It's not safe. Not safe. Um, yeah, so Alistair Black is now officially out of this triple threat. It got announced, and then almost immediately it got taken away, which makes me wonder why they didn't refilm that segment to not even have it be announced at all. Thank you, yeah. Um, except that it, I mean, you know, they haven't said specifically who took out Alistair Black in the parking lot. The assumption, of course, would be Ciampa. Sure. Which gives more heat to Ciampa as a as a heel. It what makes it him feel Gargano like more dastardly. He's crossed over to the dark side, and all he wants he just wants Alistair out of the way so he can go straight for Ciampa. Sure. What if it was Lars Sullivan to, to revenge for the broken jaw? Oh, you know, we, there's some. There actually, some of our guys on on Facebook Live right now, or, or on Facebook discussion group, were were talking about like who could be, be feuding with Alistair, who could be blamed for this. And I I thought they had some great ideas. Uh, with you know Cassius Ono coming back for revenge, Maybe. or yeah, or Lars Sullivan. So. Um, yeah, there's a lot of options they have there with the Alistair Black uh, angle once he gets healthy again. But what does this do for TakeOver? Because in, it's the thing you were saying at the beginning. We're having to pay this off too early. Like, we weren't ready for this yeah. yet. And we, we they officially we said we it's going to be... We didn't have Johnny completely cross over yet no. to, to that dark side. We kind of got there a little bit, but we needed like another two or three kind of months worth of this build. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. And, and they've, they've officially made it Johnny versus Ciampa, uh, versus Champa again. There's not going to be a triple threat. They're not going to insert another person into a triple threat. And I don't know who they would have inserted if even if they did. No one else is in even remotely involved in this feud right now. I mean, Alistair felt like a third wheel. Well, I mean, fourth, if, if they're going to do it, do it at SummerSlam because I don't know that they can run this all the way to WrestleMania next year. I don't know about it, WrestleMania. They could run it the rest of the damn year, and I'd be sure. Fine. But what do you do, Survivor Series? Yeah. Okay. Why not? Uh, some, they, give, they me, make, give me WrestleMania. Mini, they make you know? every takeover a big deal. That's fine. It doesn't matter totally fair. what other pay-per-view it's on the same weekend. Totally at. fair. Okay? Totally fair. So that's NXT. Uh, we have to move over, talk really quickly about 205 Live because there's plenty more to get to. Uh, 205 Live still building up towards SummerSlam where we are going to have Drew Gulak versus Cedric Alexander for the uh, Cruiserweight Championship. We uh, this week we had Hideo Itami and Mustafa Ali. Ali had a bit of a medical scare. Yeah, he tweeted this like uh, kind of cryptic picture yeah. of him in a hospital bed, saying he always kicks out at two. But they still never said why he was in the hospital. But this week in his match against Hideo Itami, he ended up losing because he got quote lightheaded and had an issue with his back, and it was 
it was bizarre. He ended up, he ended up losing the match. And then after the match, medics run down to the ring to check up on him. And he doesn't know what year it is. Oh, so no. they're working in, I mean, it's, it's, it's an injury angle, but it's, oh, so, I don't okay. know how legit his initial Instagram picture from the hospital was. Now, if they're doing some sort of angle there, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, this is another one where we're not really sure if he was legit injured or had to go to the hospital for a real reason, or if they're just working that Instagram image because he was there for something innocuous. Yeah. It's hard to say. Uh, all I know is they had a great match. It's worth actually checking out. As always on 205 Live, there's some incredible wrestling on there. Uh, we also had some matches between Buddy Murphy and Tony Nese. They beat the Lucha House Party, represented by Kalisto and Lince Dorado. Uh, it was a one of those those Healy wins where they won with the roll-up and pulled Imagine the tights. Imagine that with those guys. So that's going to continue. Uh, Noam Dar defeated Sean Maluda. Remember Sean Maluda? He was from the Cruiserweight no. Championship. No. Yeah, he's a, a Samoan guy. He's got Three a good, pretty cool ago. look. Yeah, he's still around apparently. Still okay. kicking around the WWE, although he did he has been uh, <clears throat> enhancement for a while now, pretty much ever since he, he first came right. out. Uh he was enhancement for Noam Dar this week who beat him pretty handily while TJP was in the back on his cell phone not watching the TV next to him where Hilarious. the match was was I'm being I'm so into what TJP's doing right now. Oh, yeah, he's killing it right like, now. Like I haven't been interest, this interested in TJP since uh the Cruiserweight Classic. Yep. To be fair, he's back, dude. Uh, absolutely and so is noam dar frankly oh, yeah big oh, time yeah. this is the best noam dar's looked thank god he's not in the, one of those stupid romance angles like they had him in back in the day him and cedric and, and alicia fox and sasha banks oh all that horrible stuff uh we had drew gulak give a speech and basically gulak. uh say if cedric wants to face either brian kendrick or uh or gallagher before his match at SummerSlam, he's more than welcome to uh, you know, turning the tables and saying, well, if you want to have your buddies soften up people before you have a match with them, why don't you have a match with some of my buddies? And we'll see what happens. Oh, okay. Then. Nice angle. Also next week, we're going to see Leo Rush versus Akira Tozawa again. Leo Rush didn't want it, but DM the GM made him, uh, made him, so I made that match happen. So nice. yes, 205, always still worth watching. I wish more people would stick around the crowd to watch it. It's just, they're in well, they such do. a bad spot. It's just, they just, they're just dead for it. Because they just sat through five hours of taping of SmackDown Live, and they're yeah. sp- and they they're they're eight beers in and carb loaded and just tired. There's, I mean, there's a an extra episode we could have right there is just talking about how to fix two or five live ways I think to. They're, they're doing it. I think they've taken a huge step in the right direction oh, yeah. over the last few months. Ever since Triple H took over, Triple H's boys have taken over. It's been a huge step in the right direction. It's absolutely worth watching. It's just a matter of getting the large fan base on that level yep. or finding a really passionate, dedicated fan base like you have at the performance center uh, at full sale or even, you know, just even like an indie, like, uh, you know, put them in smaller venues and send them out on tour on their own. Make, what if, it, make what if just like a little two or five live at the performance center. What, like I said, all something we can do yeah. on a future episode. Cool. Uh, we need to go over and talk about yeah, we, new Japan. Yeah. Because the G1 is coming to a close, and man, we got some bracketology to go over. Okay. We've only got two more shows of the G1. Now, if you do not watch New Japan at all, um, I will- Start tonight. (laughs) This is a great time to start. It is a great time to start because you can get really invested in all the top guys really quickly, and every match has a ton of meaning behind it right now because of the point system that they've had in this tournament. Yeah. Um, you've got two blocks right now and all the top guys are at the top of each of the blocks right now. Points wise, you've got in a block, 
you have uh, Tanahashi, the John Cena of New Japan yeah. with 14 points. You have Okada, the longest reigning champ in New Japan history and the most recent champ who just got defeated recently by Kenny Omega. He's incredible and probably one of the best wrestlers in the world. He can do anything. He's got 12 points in block A. Jay White, the evil Kiwi, uh, he's got 12 points. He's been being dastardly on his way to here to, to the finals here. On the last show, we're going to have uh, Tanahashi versus Okada. So two of the guys who are looking at possibly winning this block have to face each other. Um, that wasn't Jay, intentional or anything. Oh, of course not. This is called this, <laughs> this is this is a clinic in good booking. Um, Jay White's facing off against Evil. Now, here's how this breaks down: Tanahashi uh, wins or draws versus Okada. He wins a block. Period. Hard stop. Yep. Tanahashi wins against Okada. It's over. Tanahashi wins the block and goes on to the finals. If Tanahashi loses. Then we have some interesting uh, possibilities. Okay. Break them um, down for me. So if Okada wins and uh, Evil beats White, Okada wins the block. If uh, White beats Evil and Okada beats Tanahashi, then White wins the block. So in other words, both of these matches mean something. Wow. So if Okada wins the Tanahashi match, then we have to go over and look at Jay White and Evil because that could determine who could win it. Well, I definitely so, think Jay White's beating Evil. I... It's 50-50 for me, Okada Tanahashi. I have that's the one match well, that, of all of these that I'm just going I don't know. So Okada beat Tanahashi in kind of their what one wants to say is their blow-off match earlier this year. And these guys have a really this is like Randy Orton John Cena long-term uh rivalry only way more exciting and yeah. insanely better matches. But Okada kind of put Tanahashi in his rearview mirror earlier this year. He beat him in an epic match that you, I recommend going to watch because it was one of the best matches of the year. But at this point, does Tanahashi get revenge here somehow? Does Jay White, who is in a stable with Okada, come in and screw Okada over as a way to try to take over the stable and, and interfere with this match to try to... Because if he does, it'll cost him his chance, though, because Okada has to win. Okada has to win. So does he, yes. but he, or does he come in and screw up and... and accidentally cause Okada to get disqualified. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot that's going on in block A. In block B, moving over to block B, you've got the top three that are still alive, still mathematically could win. You have Kenny Omega, the current champ, who's been now on a losing streak. Not only did he lose to my boy, Tomohiro Ishii, who has, in my opinion, had the best matches across the board in the G1 this year. Any match he's in, go watch. Um... But uh, he also then Omega won last in the last show a night or two ago. He lost to the thief ace himself, Toru Yano. Guys, has a win over the champ because Tamatanga came in and interfered. But of course, still, still, he has a win. Uh, so Omega now on a losing streak with 12. Naito also with 12. And then Kota Ibushi still alive with 10. Mm. Now, all of these guys um, can still win. Uh, Zack Sabre has, is tied with Ibushi at 10 points, but he's mathematically eliminated because he's lost to everybody. He's lost to Omega and Ibushi, so he can't win. But Zack Sabre, Jr., Jack, Zack Sabre Jr. is facing Naito on the last night, and Ibushi and Omega are facing each other, as we knew they would from the beginning because that was announced that their match would be the last match of the regular G1. We knew it was going to be for all the marbles. It really is for all the marbles. If Omega wins, he's through regardless. Right. He beats Ibushi, that's it. He wins. But if Ibushi wins, if Ibushi beats Omega and he takes the third loss, 
Yes. If Omega takes, if Omega loses three in the row, um, then it comes down to the winner of Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. If Naito wins, uh, then Naito is going to go through and win the division, win the, win the bracket. Okay. If, if Naito wins. If Naito loses, Ibushi wins. So that's, uh, here we go again, both blocks. All right, so give me your fantasy booking of what you predict is going to happen with both blocks and ultimately lead to a championship match with well, who? And all, well, here's what I think. I think that we're ultimately going to see Omega and Ibushi tie, go to a time limit draw, which would give uh, Omega 13 and Ibushi 11, and then have Naito beat Zack Sabre Jr., which gives him 14 points and the block. And we get Naito and Tanahashi. Omega doesn't lose. Omega doesn't win. But he doesn't, he doesn't have to then give up a championship match because anyone who beats him in the G1 gets a shot at the champion down the road. Right. So Ishii and, both, and Toru Yano both have wins over him. They Toru Yano has a championship match. I'll watch Toru Yano Omega anytime. It's, oh. That's always hilarious. It's yeah. a great comedy match every time. But, um, yeah, I, don't, I think because Omega and Ibushi, they're the golden lovers. They're a tag team. They're best friends. They're, they're whatever they are. And it's they're, not time for that story to end yet. I don't think so. I don't think it's time for that story at all. I don't think Ibushi needs to get that match at Wrestle Kingdom that you get if you win the G1. Yeah. I don't think that he needs a match against Omega later in the year. I think that would be the most elegant way out of this is to have them tie and Omega beat Zack Sabre. Uh, sorry, excuse me. Naito beat Zack Sabre. Naito's lost to Omega. Naito's lost to Ibushi. He can have those losses and still win B block by doing it that way. Yeah. What do so, you think's going in an A block, though? Man, I have no idea. In a, I so think I've Jay been White on, can I've sneak been on, it out. I've been on Jay White's belt uh, this during the whole tournament. So, I mean, I, I like what you're doing with B block. I like the idea of potentially having another Naito and Tanahashi amazing match yeah but i still think jay white's gonna beat evil and i think okada's gonna overcome tanahashi and we're gonna see jay white and naito yeah i i have a feeling naito's gonna take b block but then you know he we've seen so much of him versus okada we've yeah. seen so much of him versus tanahashi white i i still think his hit or miss when it comes to his matches but i would love to see what he could do with versus naito so yeah, I, do you, is there any chance Naito wins this again back to back G ones? Uh, I, yeah, I think it's absolutely possible. I, I would I would question them doing it, but I think he needs a little bit more <clears throat> momentum <laughs> after the loss to Okada oh, at Wrestle boy. Kingdom and the kind of the year he's had. Oh boy! Well, hey, uh, let's ra- start wrapping things up here real quick. We got to talk about Lucha Underground. Uh, before we go there, though, where what time tonight? Do you know off the top of your head? That the festivities get started with uh, with New Japan, or am I uh, throwing you a curveball? Uh, a bit of a curveball, but I can check really quickly. Okay, cool. Um, the I know that. Let's see. It's it's back to back. It's like four a.m. Eastern or something. So it's like midnight or one a.m. <laughs> Pacific. I think. Yes, tonight. I actually. Let's see. It's actually tomorrow. No, it is tonight. Um, you know what? I'll post it on our Facebook discussion group when there it's going to be. There yeah. you go, guys. It's uh, or if Jared can quickly tell us in the, right. in the chat. If you guys in the chat, look it up real quick. See what the schedule is for the finals this weekend. Uh, we'll we'll repeat it here as we close out the show. Let's head over and talk about what went down this week on Lucha Underground. More people died. Yes, Ugh. more people died. We they killed off somebody. They killed Mala Suerte this week. Uh, he got sacrificed to Matanza. Uh, which is sad. They just, I, I, I do love me some rabbit tribe. I hate to see their numbers be dwindled by one. Uh, we also had uh, a match. Joey Ryan and Jack Evans uh, had a, had a tag match. It ended up 
this was bizarre. So Exolicious ends up getting, she, he didn't tap out to Jack Evans. He passed out, but uh, he and Joey Ryan had like a little thing. I think Joey Ryan's fallen in love with Exolicious. Uh-oh. It was kind of a, mm, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> um, okay, so this, the Reptile Tribe, last week they lost Vibora right. when Taya beheaded him. Well, this week they brought out their newest member. Remember Jeremiah Crane? Yes. Sammy Callahan? Yes. He's a snake now. All right. They turn him into a snake. Oh. He's now Jeremiah Snake. Just go with it. Yep. Just it's Lucha Underground, <laughs> yep. man. Just just go with it. <laughs> we had a big old uh, Atomicos match between the Worldwide Underground and the Rabbit Tribe. Uh, Aerostar, the newest member of the Worldwide good to Underground. See him back. Uh, good, very good to see him back. If uh, the Worldwide Underground won, they got a wish from the Re- the Reptile Tribe. If they lost, then they had uh, they had to give up Johnny Mundo to the Reptile Tribe. As in, like a sacrifice. Yes. Oh. But they won. They okay. did win. And Johnny gave up his wish to Aerostar. Aww. Aww. And Aerostar wished for the Reptile Tribe to release his buddy Drago, which they were forced to do. Taya then got mad at Johnny Mundo for giving up their wish. And Johnny turned to her and said, the only wish I have is for you. And he proposed to her, <laughs> macho man-like, in the <laughs> ring. And then they were played off to pomp and circumstance it, with lots of macho man on the, on the show this week. Yes. I loved it. In case you guys weren't aware, uh, Johnny Mundo or John Morrison... Or Johnny Impact or, or John Blackcraft. Right, or, anyway. One of them John guys. Uh, is, it, they did have a pretty amazing wedding just from the pictures that I saw uh, a couple of months ago, a month or so ago. <laughs> so it is real. So good congratulations to yeah, them. We can Morrison, now talk about it, I guess, uh, on the show. But ha- happy times for those guys. Yeah, even though he does get his face blurred out by WWE when they're in press photos. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, well, it's that time again, Ian. It's time for the listener questions. Yes. Listener questions. From our patrons again, guys, if you want to get in on this segment on the show, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for the bottom $5 tier. It gets you a copy of our full show notes and your ability to ask questions that we will interact with or and answer and commentate on yes. right here on the show. Uh, this week, Ryan Rugani started us off with, if you had to pick someone to repa- replace Aleister Black in the triple threat, who would it be? So if we so if we had to have someone right in the triple threat, mm. so he also said in this that so many people are in matches already. It's a good point. A lot of my best options are gone. They're they're already in matches. Um, I mean, here's the here's the problem. I have a hard time seeing outside of the the Gargano Champa feud. Like I wouldn't want someone in there who just had nothing to do with the feud at all. Right. 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 And so that's really tough because don't feel like anyone it's been kind of on its own little island for so long and i'm trying to think who's even had anything to do with the feud going back you know i mean the easy pick would be like a lars sullivan or something some like some bigger guy to cause chaos with these smaller guys you know i think the way if i were going to do this and i agree with you there's it's hard to pick one but i would reveal who assaulted alistair and then as a sort of punishment have Regal insert him in in some kind of handicapped way or something like that. Not right. that he's, they're ever going to put the belt on him, but it needs to be something that distracts us from what could potentially be the blow-off match between Gargano and Ciampa. Agreed. It's too early for that shit yeah. right now. It would, I mean, they'll never do it because it would make no sense, but having a handicap match where Gargano and Ciampa had to team up against somebody, oh God, they no. don't have enough time to build for that. No, um, it's too late. So yeah. we're going to have it. I would not be surprised if this somehow got disqualified or screwed up or yep you know now that it's not a triple threat I, that means triple threat rules don't apply I anymore. actually cannot i can't see them screwing like making this match 
screw. This is going to be a long match. I can't see the you know belt I mean? changing hands here. Correct. I think we're going to see like they're going to have it be more about Johnny Gargano's descent. Yes. Into madness. Um, however, that for the is. next three four months. You know? But I, I definitely think it's going to be a bit of a road bump. Yep. Uh, speed bump. This match and and it's mm, it's going to derail the 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 current train of the feud a little bit. Yeah. Who do we got next on the uh, on the card? Uh, there? We have Tim. Tim asks. When do the women's tag belts get announced? Um, and that is... That's assuming that they're going to do it? They are. The, I mean, as I said, <laughs> I've got my sources. Okay. They say that the tag belts have been made. They're okay. just waiting to actually utilize them. You said belts plural. Yes, there's two people. It's a tag belt. I understand that, but I wanted to make sure that you're not talking about... Uh, are we doing different belts for different brands? No, are we crossing current, over to NXT? The current scuttlebutt is it will be one women's tag belt, um, or one set, rather, and they will cross over all brands. NXT, <laughs> SmackDown, and Raw. That's currently the, what, uh, they're, what they're saying it's going to be. Um, Maybe Vanessa obviously, will have something to the do The easy answer to this question is sometime between now and Evolution. My suspicion is they will be announced between now and now and Evolution, and they will be uh, that will be the inaugural uh, the inaugural match will be at Evolution. Like the you will have a match where someone will win them at Evolution. That's my suspicion right now. Gotcha. He also followed up by saying, now that they have all four of the horsewomen, how long till they bring them up? Okay, so I'm assuming the MMA horsewomen, I'm, right. not uh, the WWE horsewomen, Correct. NXT horsewomen. Yes. So there 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 are the two. Four horsewomen stables. You've got the WWE one, which is Sasha Banks, Bailey, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch, and then you have the MMA four horsewomen, which is Marina Shafir, uh, Schaefer, excuse me, Jessamine Duke, Shayna Baszler, and Ronda Rousey. Now, obviously, Shayna Baszler currently the NXT champion, women's champion. Ronda Rousey currently on Monday Night Raw being a big deal. About to have a, a title match. Correct. <laughs> um, as far as the other two, they're in the Performance Center right now. Officially, they're training. We could see them at any time. I think if they're going to go with the four horsewomen angle, they're going to have to get Shayna away from the belt first. Oh, totally. You know, and the totally. question is, do they have them all aligned with Ronda? Um, at what point? I mean, I think four horsewomen versus four horsewomen. They've been they've teased it before, but I still think it's a ways off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we got to get this whole tag division thing rolling. We got to get some belts introduced. We got to get a lot more stuff kind of uh, under our belt here, so to speak before we can even get to something, some kind of fantasy match, dream match like that. Although they could really hot shot it and get it done by evolution. Just saying. Throwing that out there. Uh, that, is, that is a possibility. That would be tight. Uh, finally, Rule Sheerans. What's up, Rule? Uh, how would you guys fantasy book the Reigns-Lesnar universal title match and the Strowman... Owens money in the bank match. Now you referenced this earlier. Yes, you want I to said talk we would come this. back to this for those of you that have hung on and waited for it. <laughs> um, I want to tell the story here where he basically says his final point is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say the the big bullet first, and then oh I see his secondary yeah. follow up question here. Will SummerSlam end with Owens as champion? Now this thought hadn't even crossed my mind until about an hour before you got here today. I was literally standing in line at a checkout counter when Rule posted that, and I went, <laughs> that's totally that was the possible. the first time you thought about Kevin Owens becoming the champion at SummerSlam? Yes, that's totally possible. <sighs> Where you could have Roman Reigns kill his Brock Lesnar demon. That thing is gone. Brock goes off to UFC. We're done. Band-Aid ripped off for about two minutes. 
before Kevin Owens comes in and cashes in on a really beaten down Roman Reigns because he had beaten Braun Strowman for the contract stipulation earlier that night. This totally makes sense now. Or Braun Strowman can come in and uh, and take out Roman Reigns, a beaten down Roman Reigns. Because here's the thing. Here's what, again, opinion. Here's what needs to happen at SummerSlam. Brock needs to lose the belt to Roman Reigns. He needs to lose to Roman Reigns. Period. Hard stop. This needs to end. Yep. The Band-Aid has to come off. We've got to put all that equity they've built up with Brock Lesnar over these years onto Roman Reigns, and we've got to move on. But you do not need to have Roman walk out of SummerSlam with the belt to get that equity on Roman. You need to pay off this Brock Lesnar story with him. He doesn't need to have the belt to pay off that story. And you can send that audience home happy. You can have SummerSlam end without a chorus of boos and Roman Reigns standing tall if Braun Strowman or Kevin Owens comes in and cashes in. Yep. And successfully. Successfully and runs away with the title. You can absolutely have that be the way that SummerSlam ends and have and, and again, remember, it, historically speaking, heels have won at, at SummerSlam. SummerSlam is the mid-year one where, you know, the mid-year pay-per-view where the bad guys seem to be winning and then the good guys triumph by WrestleMania. So it would not be out of the ordinary for Kevin Owens to steal the belt at, uh, at SummerSlam. It wouldn't even be out of the ordinary for Braun Strowman to take it. No, I mean, just to, I don't. I will be surprised if we walk out of SummerSlam without that contract getting cashed in. I guess that's how I want to leave it. Yep, uh, I agree. That being said, if, if they do just decide, screw it, Roman's ending the show with the, with the championship belt held high. You know what? That's still better than the alternative. Okay. Which is Brock Lesnar walks out still universal champion. Because if my heart just sunk into my stomach. Right. And that's the thing is, you know, and, and we've seen this from top to bottom on Twitter, in our Facebook discussion group, in talking to other people who are wrestling fans, uh, and even seeing audience reactions. People are done with this. Yep. They're done. And this, I thought, I think that the build they've had from WrestleMania to now. Looking back, I think I see what they're trying to go for. They weren't really happy with how the payoff to this feud was going to be at WrestleMania. Uh, they didn't feel like Roman was going to get cheered there. Yeah. They didn't feel like it was going to pay off enough. And they've had to add some more elements between then and now to make this coronation, if you will, or this, this, the end of this feud make more sense. And frankly, I think that they have successfully done that to their credit. Yeah, I think that they have absolutely added some more elements to this Roman and Brock feud that makes it it's going to be more satisfactory when Roman wins the belt now. No, it won't. Well, I, I would have it, been no. just as happy at WrestleMania if, it, <laughs> if we had been done with Brock Lesnar back then. I but think I digress. A, I, a, I see your point from a storytelling perspective. <laughs> yes. OK, we have gotten so much more like value out of the, that feud than I ever would have expected to have happened over the last probably three months, whatever it is. I, the thing we got with Paul the other night, just wow. Like, we would never would have gotten that. Correct. So I, I am not too terribly upset at the idea that, you know, we've had to struggle with this for an extra 90 days. But right. Remember, remember this eh. time last year, we were living through the Jinder Mahal era. Like, it could uh, be worse. It could be worse. You know, it, people, it has been worse. <laughs> people people want to complain about uh, Brock and Roman. It could be worse. Oh. It really, really but could I be. I want to remind everybody, SummerSlam... It, that's that whole thing's gonna happen. We're getting AJ 
versus Samoa Joe. But this is what we've been saying oh. for weeks is that Vince has done a good job of building the rest of the company to make people have, like you've got a little bit of everything. It's a buffet, right? Yeah. You've got the things he wants for the kiddies and for the the, the for more, ca- more like casual fans, right? And you've got some matches for the hardcore people who've been around for a long time. He's making everybody happy here, in my opinion. And just because the main event, we're not everyone's happy with it, doesn't mean that they're not doing some really good setups for matches and programs at the same time. And I think a lot of people, you know, just crap on the WWE in general. Um, and I don't want to, you know, be rose colored glasses here, but there is some good stuff going on in the WWE right yeah. now with, with the talent that they have. Yeah. There really is. So I just want to put that out there that, that just because Brock and Roman might not be your cup of tea, there's plenty of other stuff there to look at. Yeah. That's going to be entertaining. Absolutely. Well, hey, guys, that does it for the listener questions this week. We do have our final little lightning round of lightning news round. here. Uh, Ian, uh, I'm just going to pull your trigger and say, <coughs> go. All right. Starting off, the world of sport, British wrestling continues to find its footing. Uh, we had episode two. Uh, we Where ha- can you watch this? Uh, you can watch this on uh, uh, Sky One in Britain. Oh, yeah, okay. it's, it's, it is exclusively British. They're gotcha. still having some production issues and the commentary is not good, uh, okay. but they're but they're finding their footing. They just started again after after decades of not being on TV. Sure. So uh, that being said, uh, excuse me, ESPN eight, the Ocho, according to uh, according to Jared. Yes. Uh, so um, thanks. Cotton. Kay- so uh, we just found out who the first woman's champion is going to be. Kaylee Ray, who you may remember from the from the May Young Classic Young, last yeah. year. She defeated both Viper. Uh, as you might remember, Piper Niven from the Mae Young Classic, yep. uh, and Bea Priestley. Uh, she beat both of them to become the first women's champion of World of Sports. So congratulations, congratulations. to Kaylee Ray. Uh, Maria Canellis is uh, training to get back in the ring, but she broke her wrist while training. Uh, my qu- my only question is, where is Mike Ben uh, Mike Canellis? Where is he? Where has he been? Are Rehab they just, again? I don't are know. Are they just waiting? For her to be ready to go again so they can start up that god-awful gimmick the two of them have again. This like, is the greatest. Don't even sing it. Okay. Moving on. Matt Hardy has been working hurt, but he and he may need to take time off to rehab his back. Uh, he's got some. Uh, he's got a you fusion think? back. Yeah, right? <laughs> if, you, if you wonder why he's walking around on just stiff legs all the time. I thought The Undertaker looked bad walking um, in the ring. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he may need to take, t- to take time off to rehab. Or he may even retire. Uh, apparently, he's, he's in a lot of pain, but he's yeah. working through it. Uh, speaking of which, Sami Zayn just had his two shoulder surgeries, but apparently is doing pretty good. He says he doesn't need pain pills right now, uh, and so far, so good. We're not going to see him until next year, though. Oh, no. Which is a bummer. Uh, Look how long it took Finn to get back, and Hideo Itami, and all the guys that have had major soldiers, shoulder, shoulder surgery? Shoulder, shoulder, shoulder surgery. WWE? WWE. It's going to be a while. Good, good luck, Sammy. Get better soon, man. Yep. Um, and then uh, Tama Tonga over New Japan News. Tama Tonga has been disciplined, quote, by New Japan for being a bad boy, which is kind of his gimmick, which right. is, you know, he's been, I was going to say that his the whole he's thing. Anyway? Curse, he's been cursing relentlessly at fans. At one point, he actually grabbed a fan by the throat uh, in one of the, the live shows, which I can't really get behind. You should never put your hands on a fan like it's, that. It's one thing to do it to red shoes. It's another thing to do it to a young lion. Don't do it to the fans. Don't do it to the fans. Don't do I it mean, to the fans, I dude. I can only hope it was a plant or something like that <laughs> just to get heat, but who knows? I mean, uh, it goes back to like ECW, uh, you know, Dreamer and the guys pouring beer on the girls in the audience. I appreciate that to an he, extent. Don't grab them by the throat. Yeah, except throw a beer at them. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> uh, apparently, he was he posted videos of him uh, on social media littering 
Uh, what? And, and he's been in this kind of ongoing feud with Roman Reigns about who the real big dog is. And oh boy, oh, oh geez. So apparently, New Japan has disciplined him. Of course, they didn't say how they disciplined him, or you know, or what. But uh, Tamatanga <laughs> is being a bad boy. Oh, he's being legendary, is what he's being. Um, May Young Classic news. So the first round has just been taped. The last couple of days, the commentary team has been made official, and I'm extremely excited about this because last year we had Jr. and Lita, which was not good. Nope. And I love Jr. and I love Lita, but they were not a good commentary team at all. This year we have a real commentary team: Mauro Ranallo. Beth Phoenix, who I thought was completely satisfactory in the uh, mixed match challenge as a commentator, sure. and Renee Young. It was a big day for her today. It was a big day for Renee Young. Not only did she get announced as one of the commentators for the May Young Classic, she's actually going to be a guest commentator next Raw for the entire show. Yeah, because uh, Coachman has to be out. For, he's on doing whatever he does. Thank goodness oh, he's no. gone. Oh, no. So Michael Cole apparently has been pushing for this for some time. Correct. And I guess he finally got the green light to do it. She's perfect for this. Yes. And, I, and I just hope that they don't kind of overrun her with like stuff she has to say and just let her talk. She does great on the pre-shows. Yeah, but commentary. She used to be on NXT. Matches. She did. She did uh, NXT for a while as well, and she was. That's I true. thought she was very good there as well. But calling matches is different than doing like uh, interviews on panels. It is. And stuff. It's a. It's a very different animal. Yeah. But I found that she was green, but really good actually. So I'm looking forward to seeing her do this, and I'm really happy for her as well. Oh, hang Cole, on, time Cole's out. Been, uh, it, this just in in the chat. Actually, they've made a change. Now it's Moro. Uh, who just did the bracket special, and now it's the two ladies and Michael Cole, not Mauro Ronaldo. Oh, no. Is it, Mar- is it Michael Cole now? Yes. Uh, according the- to what Jared's telling me. Here's the thing is that I'm not mad at that either, and Michael Cole gets a lot of hate, but he is a genuinely good commentator, especially when Vince is not yelling in his ear. And I've said this before. Go back and watch Beast in the East special where he's doing his own commentary. It's fantastic. Yeah. And he's the guy that trains up all the other commentators He's the he's the head guy for that whole division, so he knows what he's doing. He just has to play a certain part on Monday Night Raw, right? And I can excuse that as much as it's grating to hear it's boss time, the big dog. Oh my! Oh my. I, you know <laughs> what I mean? I it's I do respect the man. So if it, it's sad that it's not tomorrow, but I'm not mad at Michael Cole either. I wonder if if I ever get like a terminal illness or whatever, and I get to do a make a wish, I'm going to say that I want to hear whatever goes into the ear from Vince McMahon uh, for one full episode of raw or something like that. I would love to hear <laughs> what is going on or just be that fly on the wall to hear what he has to endure. Oh my God. During three hours of taping every month. Yeah, that would be fascinating. It'd I would, be fascinating. I, just, I, would, I would love to find that out one day. Uh, and possibly terrifying. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, we had... Let's oh, see, we had down, a, Braun down. <laughs> Sorry. You had to tape him on there with duct tape. Uh, so uh, there was a match. Progress is on tour right now. They were in, in uh, New York City, their La Boom show. Uh, there was apparently a tag match. This is just what I'm hearing. I have not seen this myself. Everyone feel free to go out and find this if you can. Should be on the uh, Progress should be streaming it. Um, there was a match between the champs, the tag champs, CCK, which right now is a kid Lycos. He's wrestling for John Gresham, who's injured by their like doing a free a free bird rule, right? Um, and uh, and LAX, and they had a, apparently had just just balls to the wall. One of the best tag matches of the year. Cool. And uh, uh, apparently, yeah, I can't wait to go find this because from what I'm hearing, it was just 
ridiculously good. So I've been able to try and find that. And good for progress too, man. I keep, I keep hearing more and more about that promotion uh, every week. So I'm happy for those guys. Yep. I, I, amen. And I think they're only going places. They might be part of the WWE network soon because they do have a, a deal with WWE right now. Do they really? They've been speculating that for a long time, but okay. we will see. Uh, all in will be treated as a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. What? Yes. So because of the association with Ring of Honor, they will be treated as a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. You will be able to get it if you're a member of Honor Club, which is Ring of Honor's streaming service, which you can get if you have a Roku or a Fire Stick. Fantastic. Yeah, pretty cool. Speaking of Ring of Honor, they have that uh, team-up show with Impact at Madison Square Garden. It's being reported by Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer that that will be the first $1 million-plus gate event for wrestling in the United States that was not promoted by Vince McMahon. Holy so smokes. To, to say it's a big deal is not an understatement. It's a huge deal. And at Madison Square Garden. And it's at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. Which is one reason why WWE is getting more aggressive with their signings is because even though there's not really any major competition to them, any competition is seen as too much. And so they're doing a, as much as they can to try and kill the competition by signing as many indie stars as they can with all of their FUTV money. This week reported that they're now going after Shane Strickland, better known as Killshot from Lucha Underground. Right. Uh, as well as was reported last week, they're still making overtures to the Lucha Brothers, Phoenix and Pentagon Jr., who are currently working for Impact. Um, but in news there, the Lucha Brothers have now started telling the indie dates that they've booked in 2019 that they are in question. Anyone who they've booked dates with in 2019, those dates are now, quote, in question so the lucha brothers may be coming to wwe mm. which would be absolutely bizarre in my in my world in, well. in my world i'm <laughs> really terrified of what they would do with both of their gimmicks oh boy in wwe well hey real quick uh jared did confirm for us in the chat the new uh, or the uh, the g1 does start tonight at 5 30 a.m Eastern time. So, so tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. <laughs> if you're on the West Coast, 2.30 a.m. Friday. So that Lord. tonight, technically. So when I get off work tonight, yeah, when I come to home, go home from the bar, watch the G1. Yeah, I'll be able to sit up and all night and walk around tomorrow with bags under my eyes. Yeah. Uh, that would cost me a hundred dollars take on a plane. I'll, so I'll I'll be up there right up there with you. Yeah, it's gonna man, it's gonna be hairy. This, if you have not watched any of the G one, go back and watch a catch up thing on YouTube. But this is the weekend to watch. They do it. have some good catch up ones on YouTube, yes. like to to get you ready to go. Uh, new the new Japan app is it's under nine bucks a month. Yeah, it's I, I think it's a really worthwhile. They have so much good content on there. And the G one as well. Callus and their commentary watching. is just getting better and better. The more I watch really it, the more are. I enjoy it. Yeah. It's it's a really good quality product right now. Well, guys, that's it. We survived two live episodes. Hey. Holy smokes, we did it again. All right. We're one week well, about ten days, technically. Yep. We're about a week away from SummerSlam. And man, we got the G one. It's not this, this Sunday. It's the next Sunday. Next Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So that means our next show will be talking about the go-home shows from WWE for SummerSlam, as well as wrapping up the G1, uh, things that are going on in Lucha Underground, new events in Ring of Honor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The typical kind of digest, commentary, opinion, stuff that we do. Are we going to do a post-show as well after uh, SummerSlam and TakeOver? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a do post-show. That live. Yes, we'll do that live. There you go, guys. So that'll, that'll be on... Um, let, let's tentatively the 21st. Well, uh, or well, let's, let's, let's not say now. Okay. Let's not say now we'll announce, a, we'll announce officially when our, uh, our recap show is for SummerSlam and takeover. Yes. 
uh, next week on next week's show. We'll announce when officially when it will be. And uh, then you guys can tune in for that as well. I want to give a shout out to uh, Stephen Larson over at the Going In Raw podcast. Thank you very much for uh, for mentioning us and touting us on your show this week. Yeah, uh, good giving buddies. us a nod on the uh, the going the, our first live episode. Good friends, good uh, friends of the show. Yes, uh, and, fellow and SoCal wrestling podcast brothers in arms here. Wonderful wrestling podcast too. Yes, really cannot overstate that. Going In Raw, they're going to have a vendor booth at All In, not yeah. just Starcast Podcasters Row. They went all uh, they went all in. Well, on a vendor booth. So they have a bit of a head start on sure. us on Four the whole five years podcasting or so. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> you inspire me. <laughs> they do, guys, they do uh, inspire me. Good guys. If you want to come in and join in the conversation, head over to Facebook and join the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Uh, also, like the page if you get a chance. We'll find you one way or another and get you in the group. We're on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Hit us up over there and give us a follow. And if you like the show and what we do, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar or check out any of our tiers to get really interactive with the show here. You can just go for $5. $5 you can get in on the show notes every week and ask your listener questions. That's correct. Every single show, including the recaps. For $10, if you want to do that, you're going to get our bonus episodes Ooh. every month. And as we teased earlier in the show, this this month it's going to be on Roman Reigns et al. Yeah. Like I, there's just we need to have a big conversation about how we got here, and we'll know more. Next. I just I just love how much value is, is going to be increasing with all these tiers. Like as we add oh, more yeah. stuff, it's going to oh, be yeah. it's, it's going to be a lot of fun better. to to create stuff. Uh, lastly, if you want to uh, pick up some sweet swag to rock, we got some new designs on the store and more on the way very soon. Head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash store. Pick up some sweet swag to rock around and let everybody know we are your favorite wrestling podcast. Yes, sir. And don't forget to go to your podcast app of choice and like, share, subscribe. Let other people know about us. Spread the word. And if you are watching us right now on YouTube, or if you're not watching us on YouTube, rather, Go to YouTube and sign up. Uh, add us on YouTube. Like our page. Subscribe to the subscribe channel. Subscribe to the channel. Yeah. And uh, hit that little bell thing too, so you get the notification. Notification when we do go when live. When we're we going live and all of that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the the more people we have on YouTube, the better our product can be. Yes. So we will well, we will do our best to be all, all that we can we be. Can be. Yes, sir. <laughs> But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Podcast, and I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at. Sir Ian Dangerous. Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com